Shadows Literary License Podcast episodes. Ben Stokes here, exploring all things Collinsport, Maine, and following the likes of the Collins family, and the friends and foes, with your co-hosts, Tom Diamond, Jesse Fultz, Mickey Ray, and Keith Chalgo, Collins family, story about blood relations, literally. Welcome to the Literary License Podcast, and today is Dark Shadows Week, and we're discussing episodes 571 to 591. And before we get started, let's find out who's with us. We have special guests Danielle, Sarah, Olivier, Galater, or aka Penny Dreadful. Hello, welcome to the Literary License Podcast. Hey Keith, thank you so much for having me guys. It's a pleasure and an honor being here with you. I look we're forward very pleased to, it. to have you here. <laughs> And of course, we also have our normal people, which is Jesse Fultz. Hello, Jesse. Hello, everybody. Normal. And Tom Diamond. Hello, Tom. I object to normal, but I'll but I'll go along with it. Thank you. Uh, hello, everybody. And it's great to be here once again. And the stone around my neck, Vicky Ray. Hello, Vicky. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Don't listen to him. <laughs> And before we get started, let's find out what we all been up to. Starting with you, Jesse. What have you been up to oh, since goody. last time Start we spoke to you. you? Which was Bewitched, I believe. Um, let's see. I went to uh, Cape Cod. You did. Was, uh, yes, it was a very fun trip. I saw seals in the ocean and jellyfish and stuff like that. No, no, no. no. Seals. The seals. I love Cape Cod. I haven't been there in eons either. It, it's so bizarre because... I've never seen so many backyards and front yards so landscaped and so oh many flowers in like everyone's yards. It's so bizarre. Especially um, with the 4th of July approaching. Oh, I bet it must be amazing uh, down there. But yeah, it's very nice. It, it totally reminded me of Dark Shadows. I saw a house that reminded me of the one that Vicky wanted to move into <laughs> with uh, Bert when he was still around. I actually did. I'll send it later. Um, but yeah, it was a per- like there's so many perfect seaside houses and stuff. But a lot of um, random people just come up to you, and when you're looking around, they'll just explain the history and like what they do to the houses to elevate them. You know, when the tide rises and there's floods and storms right. and stuff. So I thought that was kind of cool. I, like everyone's really friendly there too. Um, and there's a lot. That's of the friendly art, part um, of Massachusetts. That's the friendly. Yeah. There, is, there, is the, there is the mask. Everyone else is like, what do you want? Hey, guy, get out of here. <laughs> that's, that's like Boston. I used to live in Boston. Everybody used to, what was the word mass hole still in use? Uh, yep. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Be careful crossing the street in Boston because it's like parking practice on the, yeah. with the cars there. <laughs> and what about yourself, Tom? What have you been up to? Well, I've been I've been uh, pretty pretty nutsy as far as the academic stuff is concerned. Um, I'm going to be teaching uh, adjunct business communications uh, in the fall at uh, Stephen F. Austin State University in good old Nagadoches, Texas, uh, online work. And so now I'm starting to get into course construction and so forth. So that's the that's the the real world side. Um, I'm uh, you know, I'm I'm just doing, I'm I'm taking one step at a time. I have, uh, was that 
I said, you've been quiet the last few weeks. Yeah, yeah, I have indeed. Uh, well, I've been pretty busy because uh, I've been working my, you know, my usual, my, my coursework. And I took a, I took a course, I took a, I started a master's program in criminal justice, second master's program. I just couldn't sit still. You would like that one. But uh, it's very, in- oh, oh God, it's, 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 it's unbelievable. I mean, so I mean, interesting. It, it is. I mean, I'm learning about, you know, I mean, we talked about the supermax prisons and these are the uh, maximum security f- uh, facilities and about and they have the most violent, the most violent people in there. And, uh, uh, you know, I mean, there, there are, uh, there are people that have been sentenced to the death penalty that were that were that should not have been convicted, and they have actually killed people at the gas chamber that were innocent, and they and they've been holding that, and they've been holding, they've been holding that secret, and uh, there's just uh, and then the you know the 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 the, me- the the mental health issues of uh, the people that are kept in isolation. Uh, it's, it's quite, it's, it's just a lot of aspects to it. And, and how can, what, what does it take to make a successful warden? That's gotta be the hardest job on earth. Oh um, God, I can't uh, only imagine. You know, I mean, it's, that, that's it's, quite a question to pose. Actually, there's all kinds of things going off in my head between the Shawshank redemption and something yeah, else. It, 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 <laughs> it, it, it just makes me, it just makes me hungry for the good old days. <laughs> yeah, like well, Jimmy Cagney's lousy screw, lousy screw. Yeah. You know, and the food, and the big where he gets on, where everybody's in the cafeteria, and he starts a big fight. Was that yeah. Whitey? Oh, that had, oh, that had been one of the greatest pictures around White Heat, you know. Top of the world, oh, yeah. top, top of the world, top of the world, top of the world. Um, but and now, as far as watching uh, watching stuff uh i am currently uh, sharon and i are currently watching the outlander uh on netflix and that is some well done series uh about you know the diana gabaldon uh my i'm pronouncing it right novels where uh, the world war ii nurse goes back in time to the 18th century scotland and uh you know, and separated from her husband, and there's a little bit of dark shadows, and then that the ancestor, and the husband, and the current day husband, played by the same actor, and the current day husband is such a nice guy, college professor at Oxford, and his ancestor is a British rotter uh, who who indulges in sodomy, homosexuality, uh, bestiality, anyality he can, and and manages to slip heterosexuality in as well but he's a he's an extreme he he he, he makes if it's moving he's on it <laughs> yes <laughs> if it has a pulse he's on it exactly exactly and uh and, and, and but it's 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 well done the the, the cinematography is super iris stephen bear and i think um his partner what's it called was, again i didn't hear it Outlander. 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 Not Highlander. That's different. I think one, of the, uh, one of the episodes of that show actually even references Dark Shadows. It does. And yeah. that's later I on. Loved I loved Outlander. I, totally. I loved all the yet. books. I read all of her books. Well, I have to now. But I mean, I had started it and it, and it just kind of fell apart. But after looking at the series, I'm, I'm just starting to say. Oh, I start. Her books are fantastic. They're big. But I started reading Diana Gabaldon stuff 20 something years ago. Uh-huh. I, I often wondered if they're ever, I mean, I think they're doing a fantastic job with the series. I love it. 
Well, there's four seasons so far, and Danielle's absolutely right. They'll go to 1968 in one of the seasons, and there's a Dark Shadows reference. I heard about it. I haven't caught it yet. Yeah, but, there is. Uh, but, it's, uh, but it's really cool. And they do borrow a little bit from Shadows uh, in terms of – because Shadows was really the first in terms of going into the other time periods and having the actors, mm-hmm. the same actors, play their ancestors. And so here in, the, in this particular case, it's one guy so far. And, but they all do a marvelous job. And I, and I highly recommend that series. I really oh, do. it's fantastic. It is. Yeah, I hope they move on with it. So that's me. Well, How about uh, What do you want to Yep, yep, yep. Back in. Yep. <laughs> I've got to go away with my daughter for a few days and my grandson. But other than that, I'm doing your typical shutter, scary watching stuff. You know me. I'm trying to find things that I haven't seen yet. Joe's really good about turning me on to movies I have not seen yet, but I'm saying seriously, after, after purchasing my, my official copy of Thundercrack, we definitely (laughs) got to do an episode on Thundercrack. (laughs) Oh, we will. That's coming in season six in our WTF (laughs) film vessel. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) Uh, I mean, seriously, it's like, it's a black and white, which I wasn't expecting. And I'm just like, what am I watching? And and it's oddly enough, it doesn't. I it kind of looks like it's trying to make sense. I don't know, mm-hmm. but then I found myself watching cursed films and and Welcome to the Willets. Welcome to Willets. Have you seen that? You have to watch it. Welcome to Willets. Yeah, I have actually. I saw that. I saw oh that my last god! Movie. Yeah, you got to watch it. But other than that, Dark Summer. Finished that. I was really bummed. They only had eight episodes. So they're going to have to. That's good, though. I enjoyed it. So I need closure. I I didn't know at first it was set in the World War, the the Z Nation universe, but it is. And I didn't know that because it seems so unlike Z Nation. That's why. But it's it's Z Nation's corny. (laughs) It is. That's why I thought I didn't know why I like this. It was really. A good I think what keeps Black Summer a bit above, cut above the rest, I think it's because it's like little short films that all kind of connect, with, which makes it quite interesting. You know, like each one's about yeah, five or ten yeah. minutes. And, and they're only about a half hour long as well. Which yeah, they all have a different circumstance about that particular person. It's, it's really mm-hmm. interesting. I like it. But other than that, not a whole lot. I've just been traumatized. Yourself, what are you even up to? Uh, well, uh, I've been busy. I'm planning uh, a move. Uh, I, I uh, live in Massachusetts, um, grew up here, and um, but I'm moving up to Salem. Uh, so that's the exciting. closest you Yay. can get to Collinsport without being Collinsport. <laughs> You're a uh, diehard fan. <laughs> I, um, I'm actually taking some classes over at Salem State, some theater classes. I've Excellent. been involved in uh, theater for, for a while and I but I've, it's been a while since I've done any training you know and I kind of want to go back back to square one and do some you were actually training. accepted into the American Academy of Dramatic Arts as I, I was back in 2000 very I got prestigious and thank you but I didn't I ended up not going because I couldn't afford to go I wound up Aww. going to Salem State I took oh, out federal loans and did uh, I'm sorry uh, San Francisco State back in 2001 uh, but I've done a lot of shows, um, and did, did a, I actually did a show with John Aston, who was Gomez Adams. And wow! Family. Yeah, we did a a it was like a staged uh, presentation of old radio shows. So uh, cool. I was cast in that, and I performed with John Aston, who was marvelous and just such a great, nice person, and so charming and 
fun to talk to and stuff. And uh, he's also a professor. He's a professor, uh, acting professor in Baltimore. So oh, I didn't know that. Wow. yeah, yeah. So I, I also teach, uh, I teach college English classes like writing and uh, literature and stuff like that. So, you know, busy prepping for a new class next semester as well. So I'll be teaching and I'll be a student at the same time. And uh, I've been doing my new podcast too. I also am doing a Dark Shadows podcast, which I launched recently called Terror at Collinwood, which has been really fun to do. I've always wanted to do a Dark Shadows podcast. And I was like, oh, I want to try this, like learn something new, learn how to make a podcast, which I've never done before. So um, it's definitely been fun. Uh, and uh, hopefully, you know, uh, that will, people will enjoy listening to me you know, Babylon about dark shadows. I think they already do. <laughs> the opportunity, like when you guys, when you were like, hey, you want to come? And Tom was actually was like, let's do a, when you start your show, let's connect, you know? So we did a crossover. Tom's been on my show, which is going to go up pretty soon. So uh, that, that was fun. And it was uh, great. I'm, yeah, very, so. I'm very happy you invited me. Oh gosh, it was, was really fun. We'll have to have each of you guys come on. Uh, I'll have to, we'll have to, I'll have a turn here so we can all talk geek out about dark shadows. Um, so yeah. And that's, you know, that's about it. I've been watching Loki, which has been really cool. Uh, the Tom Hiddleston. I love those, those Marvel shows. I've been enjoying those things like WandaVision and Falcon. And I, I still got to start WandaVision. I love Marvel. I love DC mm-hmm. comics and I still have not started WandaVision. Everybody keeps telling me I have to see oh, it and I have to, it looks fantastic. And I still haven't started it. It's so weird. Like, I love it. it. Like, it's so strange because it's like, it starts and it's like, what is going on? Because it's like every episode is set in a different era of television. So it's right. like fifties sitcom, oh, that's 50s, interesting. 70s, 80s, 90s. It like goes through each era, and it's like, what is happening here? Where is that? Crazy. HBO Max? Where is that? Oh, on HBO Plus. Max right now. Disney Plus, yeah. Mm. No, Disney. That's right, Disney yeah. Plus. Oh, it's yeah. Disney. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, They've got all the Marvel and all the DC comic stuff on there too. I think. Mm-hmm. Not DC, just Marvel. Marvel. Just Marvel. They Warner don't have DC. DC. Yeah, Warner. DC's HBO Max. Is yeah. it? Yeah, okay. yeah. The, I, keep, I always get my universe. DC is owned by Warner. Marvel is owned by Disney. Yeah, eventually cool. Disney will probably buy DC yeah. as my my guess. Inevitably, I think Disney will just absorb all entertainment. You know? I can't wait for the second season of Mandalorian. That's what I'm. Yes. Oh my gosh, Mandalorian is so good. Oh my god, wasn't it? Yeah. I love I'm not a Star Wars, Wars fan, but I love that. That was excellent. So yeah. Oh, baby Yoda, Grogu. Oh, soldier. Oh, oh, I know. I love him so much. I'm like, oh my god, he's so cute. <laughs> and what a wise ass for a little guy. I didn't say I, much. Yes, right. Exactly. <laughs> Watch out for those frogs. He like don't let him eat the frog. Oh, he was. Remember, he was eating all those eggs on the, the frog lady. Yes. <laughs> she was messed up. I'm like, no. He's that was genocide. <laughs> I mean, a good thing about Mandalorian is, is that it's a different director for every single episode, and they're mm-hmm. big directors as well. Yeah. And, and to think about it, each one, each they've done a fantastic job, and each episode is its own entity, and they're and they're directed its own way, but they all fit together beautifully as well within the confines of the series. Yeah. So you know, yeah, it's quite a feat, actually. I think it's John Farrell that's actually put that all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's really good. It definitely has that Star Wars feel to it. Like it definitely. I wasn't expecting the ending that I didn't yeah. see coming. Yeah, that was that was definitely unexpected and a little weird. Like you know, to to yeah. see how they like 
how, how, wow, that looks it looked a little weird, but it was cool, really cool. Yeah, yeah. Time. It was like oh, I'm trying to figure. I was trying to figure out, man, when did he have time to do that and yeah. in and pick him up? You know. Yeah. <laughs> and also tugged at your heartstrings as well. So it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It was so nostalgic. It's like, oh. yeah, definitely. Well, myself, um, I was in Manchester last Saturday doing a meet and greet um, to promote the game Back for Blood. I know I keep pushing this week after week, but it will now be on Xbox Pass for free. So you buy your Xbox Pass and you get Back for Blood for free, along with Bathsheba, who is now joined for Xbox. So so I did a meet and greet there and I did a TED Talk about um, horror and mass media and how it crosses through into the computer game world. So that TED Talk should be out in August. So do that. Um, and as far as entertainment is concerned, I watched um, Sweet Tooth on Netflix. What was that? And I have to sit there and say, this is one of the best shows I've ever seen. I thought it was going to be really stupid. Basically, the premise is basically is a super flu's come down and is wiping out the human race. And what, but human race babies are coming back as hybrids, part animal, part human. And, what show um, is this, Keith? Sweet Tooth. Oh, you told me about that. I have yet to watch it. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, watch it. It's um, it's got ninety eight percent critic rating. The um, meaning out of a hundred um um critics, hundred critics gave it a hundred um nine was out of a hundred ninety eight of them gave it a um ten, and the other two gave it a nine, giving it a ninety eight percent rate. Well acted, well done. It's done like a fairy tale, kind of a Burton-esque kind of feel to it. And by the end of it, if, you, if you're if you not torn apart, um, you're probably made of stone. But mm-hmm. it's very, very well done. And it's about a little um, a boy who um, is part deer and basically is being hunted. But it's, Netflix uh, it's, is coming up with a lot of stuff now, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's just, done by Warner and it's part of, a D, it's part of the, DC, um, the DC lineup. Hmm. And it's also uh, oh, only okay. eight episodes. It's yeah, sweet I thought tooth. it was going to be crap. I thought Sweet Tooth. And I really thought it was going to be crap. They kept you know, advertising and advertising. I thought, okay, well, I need to go to bed. I'm going to watch one episode of this and I'll go to bed. And unfortunately, I end up in the next day and a half, I basically couldn't stop watching it. I was just so wow. 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 So I highly recommend Sweet Tooth. Oh, I know man. there was a big controversy because they bought the ad for USA Today, the front, they bought a slip cover to put over the front cover of USA Today and it looked like that was like a news headline with like a, a like a hybrid baby with antlers and people thought it was some people thought it was real because it really <laughs> looked like the cover of USA Today but then you look at it and it says advertisement or something in small print so there was a big to do about that but I thought it was kind of funny that they did that yeah. people thought they were buying the National Enquirer for the day yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, it's amazing how tastes have changed. I was just thumbing through the thumbing through the channels the other day, and I caught now on IMDb they have all the Fantasy Island episodes, the original Carter Montalban, all seven seasons. I cannot believe how that lasted seven years. That's a good that yeah that that was quite a stretch. It was like unbelievable. 
I'm like, you know, when it was on, and of course they had all the, you know, it's a period piece, you know, because, you know, you see all the stars, you know, back then coming on doing guest shots. And, and it was kind of, uh, you know, uh, Lauren Tews from The Love Boat on Fantasy Island, which I'm just, mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. But I watched the first episode with Michelle Lee and uh, of, all, of all people and, uh, and some of these others. And I just, it was just so mindless. And, and I'm just, <laughs> and I'm like, I can't believe that this, you know, but, but of course you had the iconic, they blame, they blame. For you know? does, yeah. Uh, yeah, have you actually, yeah, that's that was sad with him. He did he commit suicide or something? He did, yeah, that was sad. Oh, tattoo. Yeah, yeah. 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 There's actually a yes, really good movie yeah. on Amazon Prime about him. It's called oh. My Dinner with Herve. What's it and called? And it's Peter Dinklage playing her um, Vascalosius or whatever his name is. Okay. or something. I and um, I think it's James. I'm, I think the main actor is James Franco, but it's P- Peter Dinklage, who's always brilliant anyway. If he's yeah, Game yeah. of Thrones, yeah. Peter Dinklage is. One of, one of our probably greater greater actors out there. Yeah, yeah, he's but it, but it was amazing that that lasted as long as it did, and uh, you know, well, it did kind of have a Twilight Zone kind of a feel. Some of them did, some of them, yeah, them yeah. Play, but then they would have like the odd little odd tale in there. They yeah. would they would go back. They would have different. They would go back in time in different sections of yeah. the island depending upon what your fantasy was. I remember Mr. Rourke versus the Devil. That was one one of the yeah. episodes. I gotta watch that one. Oh yeah, yeah. And, yeah, like the and they did a remake, and I never knew this. In '91, they did a remake yeah. with uh, with uh, what's his name, uh, the guy from Time After Time, uh, Roddy Malcolm uh, McDowell. Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm McDowell. One season, horrible. I mean, I I, I just fell asleep. I never heard of it. Yeah, they did a remake for one season, and he wore a black suit instead of the way. In fact, it was kind of a take. The first scene, he's he plays Rourke, and he opens up his wardrobe, and there's a whole bunch of white suits and one black suit. He takes Ah. off the black suit, and he says, I'm getting rid of all the white suits. That kind of thing. It was supposed to be a dark version of fantasy, and it was horrible. Oh. And I imagine Malcolm McDowell probably was chewing a lot of scenery as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love Dr. Cell. Didn't, didn't they just release like a horror movie version of that like a year ago or yeah. so? Yeah. Yes, they did. It yes. was all dark and it wasn't. Yeah, I didn't see it. I yeah, didn't really put up like Bloomhouse. He does Bloomhouse does the, the um, Conjuring films. Oh, yeah. I don't really like it that much, tell you the truth. I mean, I liked it as far as kind of like a horror film, but it was kind of hard to. Yeah. Think of Fantasy Island as a horror film, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It was quite a different spin. I mean, it was. I mean, it was okay. I didn't die from watching it. Well, well, like making a horror about- version of Willy Wonka. Seriously? Well, to be honest, if they did, if they did the true story of Willy Wonka, it is, it is a movie. To think about because those, those kids, they don't come back. No. <laughs> Augusta's Gloop does not come back. Violet was played by Denise Nickerson in the original yeah, right, movie. Right, and she yeah. was Even Violet's on... character dies. They all, all those kids die. The only kid that gets out of there alive is Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> of course, for all the newbie fans, Denise Nickerson, you're going to see her on. Isn't that funny? Char- Charlie's yeah. a veterinarian up by our hometown. Really? The actor who played him is? He's in Loudville, yeah. New York. He's a veterinarian. No yeah, wow. my, it's my so. sister's vet. <laughs> oh, I didn't uh, know what? Kelly was taking her dogs there or cats yeah, there. Uh, wow, was all the way to Lowville. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, it's cheaper. Probably more money in uh, being a vet than in show business, I guess. 
Uh, I would think so. Yeah. Uh, unless, you're, unless you're in the one percent, you know that kind of thing. That's why. I, I mean, as far you. as Fancy Island and Love Boat is concerned, just remember, yeah. if Marilyn Monroe was alive, she probably would have been in it. So yeah, yeah true. Oh, and yeah. Love Boat definitely. Oh, I used to watch both of those. They were back back to back. I remember that was like what you would do on that night Captain when it Stewart aired. You watch both of those too. Shows. Didn't he? Wasn't it like Saturday night? It was Saturday night ABC growing up, wasn't it? I just remember watching them. Like, was like excitement. That was like the only because my parents are Portuguese. They didn't watch too many. They watched the Portuguese channel, but they all we always watched the Love Boat and Fantasy Island for some. I had a friend in college that she had to watch Miami. But the the lineup back then was Miami Vice, and and then there was you know the Love Boat, but what she called it the Fuck Bucket. (laughs) 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 Time for the Fuck Bucket. Oh my god! More accurate title, I would. (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) uh, Now you know Christopher Pennock. And we were just you see Danielle and I the two months ago the single thought yes Christopher Pennock was. In the yeah. boat season four, episode twenty-two, I think. Don't quote me, but to somebody, be honest, somebody probably all the Dark that. Shadows actors probably were in a love boat or fancy. <laughs> I don't think Jonathan was though. Uh, I, I, no, no, I, I remembered him. I can imagine Laura Parker probably was, and I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised because everyone appeared on that. And especially if you were on like an ABC show, you were definitely put on, you know, they right. made you go on there. I have to ask <laughs> you know, Catherine Lee Scott about like, this. Yeah. I have to ask Catherine Lee Scott yeah. about this one of these days, but I could have sworn I saw Radon and Tebby uh, recently, the original 1978 film. That's the one where uh, the, uh, it was Israeli passengers were, hi- were uh, hijacked. Uh, by Arabs and stuff like that, and it was this big plan to get them back. But I could, but Sharon and I were watching it, and I could have sworn we saw Catherine Lee Scott in a cameo uh, in that film. There were a number of actors that did cameos mm-hmm. uh, for that. Uh, but uh, but getting back to Fantasy Island and, Lo- and, and Love Boat, I mean, that was and Love Boat lasted ten years, so that was a heck of a franchise. Gavin McLeod passed away recently. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, ninety, I think. Uh, I'm telling you, so they're living pretty long lives, pretty long lives. And Larry Storch is 98. Yes, I've met him several times. He's he oh is my a God. riot. Is, is he still a riot? Because he looks oh, like a yes. riot. I mean, at con- I mean, it's been a few years, but doing the cons at, as Penny Dreadful, I would I'll often meet you know people uh, who would attend. And Larry was, you know, frequently I would see him, and sometimes he would dress up in his F troop outfit you know at his table and he doesn't take much he wears his dungarees and his agarn hat yeah (laughs) he would joke with you but i got his uh i got him to sign a a groovy ghoulies because he did the voice for uh drac in the groovy ghoulies oh wow oh Oh, god i totally forgot about the groovy yes yeah yeah yeah. so he was very friendly and stuff like now he's you know the last time i saw him he's definitely frail you know, he was well, 98. Um, I mean, yeah, want, definitely yeah. frail. I don't know he's, if he's still doing the concert. He's life. very good friends with Marie Wallace from Dark Shadows. No very kidding. Oh. Yes, I knew yes, he yes. worked with Jonathan Fred and uh, Arsenic and Old Lace. And Arsenic and Old Lace as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah but uh, but uh, yeah, but Marie always talks about him. And uh, yeah, I love Death Troop. I mean, I, I only oh, wish it had yeah. been on. Longer. I love Death Troop too. Oh, me too. Yeah. yeah. So what we're going to do now is we're going to cut to the bloopers of Dark Shadows and the synopsis will be right back. Hello, everybody. Tom Diamond here for Literary License Podcast. I hope you're all doing well today. So we have now come 
to the sections where we're going to talk about the new faces in episodes 571 to 591, as well as the bloopers. So this is going to be a rather short report today, because there already really aren't that many new faces. In fact, there's only one to talk about. Uh, most of the usual actors get their uh, appearances. Uh, a couple come on for only very short stints. Jerry Lacey's Tony Peterson makes a two-episode appearance, and by the way, this is the last time you're going to see him in the character of Tony Peterson. He goes on to a lot of other stuff in Dark Shadows. Uh, but uh, the Tony Peterson character is brought in to be Liz's family lawyer. Liz's had it with Richard Garner, and there's another mention of an old uh, character from the past, from the first year, she tries to get him on the phone to discuss her premature burial arrangements, and uh, Richard Garner doesn't want to talk to him. Why she doesn't ask to speak to Frank Garner, the son, and of course we remember Frank Garner from back then as Vicky's love interest, uh, we will never know. But anyway, she gets rid of Richard Garner and hires Tony Peterson. And uh, Tony Peterson is very uh, fortunate, actually, Jerry Lacey is, to have love scenes with two different Carolyns. One is, of course, Nancy Barrett. And apparently, in episode 578, Nancy Barrett, for the only time in the history of Dark Shadows, had to call in sick. I understand she had a bad case of the flu. And Diana Walker was the name of the actress who took her place for that one episode. Diana Walker was born June 26, 1942. June 28, 1942, excuse me. And she is notable for appearances in As the World Turns. She did the movie Glass Booth in 1973. She was in a short-lived soap called uh, Where the Heart Is uh, back in 1969. And she is uh, seen on Amazon Prime as doing some recent documentaries uh, regarding political issues, which is kind of interesting. Uh, so that's it as far as the guest stars are concerned. Now to the bloopers. And regarding that, uh, not too many of this block, uh, aside from the usual, most of them are the usual shadows of the mic booms on the walls. But Louis Edmonds uh, did uh, a very rare blooper in episode 578. He was called upon to do the intro voiceover, uh, for the show, which he did fine. And then he was called upon to introduce Diana Walker uh, as uh, replacing Nancy Barrett for the day. And uh, in his usual accent, he said, Diana Walker will now replace the role of Caroline Stoddard. Well, you could think after all the episodes where he called her Caroline, he would not call her Caroline. So that part's interesting. So in episode 573, you can see the set of the wall. Uh, you can see the wall beyond the trees if you look through the door of Maggie's house. You see that backdrop. And once again, you've seen things like that before. Uh, and for just a split second in one of them, uh, as uh, Nicholas Blair walks in, you you may see somebody walking by uh, at, behind 
uh, Humperdown Estrado as we see a close-up of him. In the credits of that episode, they forgot to turn the camera on at first, and so you start to see the actual visual credits, but it's on a black screen. And then after, I would say, 30 seconds or so, the camera comes on. Be sure to look for the traveling Afghan on Maggie's couch. It's going to migrate from that couch to Liz's bedspread when she has the now famous dream of her own funeral with Carolyn and Roger attending. And then somehow, miraculously, the Afghan returns to Maggie's couch. Maybe there are two different Afghans. One of the biggest bloopers of the block concerns Laura Parker as Angelique. Leela Swift directed the episodes where she confronts Jeff in the downstairs basement lab. And for some reason, they decided to show Laura Parker's reflection in the overhead mirror overlooking the bed of the... uh, newly anticipated Bride of the Monster. And of course, as you guys know, vampires cast no reflection in the mirror. Uh, what that was, what her reflection was doing in the mirror, we will not know to this day. In episode 575, we finally get the explanation as to why all this laboratory equipment is functioning in the old house with no electricity. And so it is specifically explained in episode 575 that Julia installed a generator in the basement to handle all that. In another blooper in that episode, uh, when Thayer David, as Professor Stokes, opens the door to Collinwood, you don't know what this is, but it almost looks like there's a piece of furniture, uh, and the brackets of that furniture are across the front door. You can certainly move out if you want to, but it's uh, it's situated between the backdrop set and the actual entrance. Kind of notable is in episode five seventy six is when Angelique greets Jeff for the first time in the lab by saying "Good evening," and this, of course, uh, is a direct takeoff from Bela Lugosi with his famous good evening intonation in the 31 Dracula. In the episode of uh, 576, uh, the last scene when Lizard had the nightmare and, and Nancy Barrett runs in to comfort her, Nancy Barrett was in a nightgown in that last scene. Uh, however, in this episode in 577, when the first scene is Uh, basically done again Nancy Barrett comes into Liz and she's fully dressed actually there are more closed caption bloopers in Amazon Prime than there were bloopers in this episode and uh, we'll go over a couple of them Uh, but the one uh, in 578 uh, where instead of Mrs. Johnson the closed captioning has her as Mrs. Gunston it was kind of interesting uh, in this episode. Uh, you'll see Robert Rodan as Adam looking out of the window of his room uh, down at the little tryst between 
uh, Nancy Barrett and uh, Tony Peterson, uh, and of course Diana Walker, uh, the next day is Tony Peterson, you could clearly see Robert Rodin's breath uh, frosting on the glass, which makes me think that the studio was probably too air-conditioned that day, and that's what showed up. On episode 579, you kind of wonder, after uh, Angelique bit Jeff, where the neck bites are. You don't see them the first time, but apparently after she bites him the second time, it then sticks. Uh, A kind of trivial point regarding Adam, who wore a gray sweater uh, for the first uh, basically month or so that he uh, that Robert Rodan was on the show. I guess they finally had to give him a different sweater or at least put that one in the wash. So uh, in episode 581, Carolyn makes a present of a green sweater to Adam, and that is the famous green sweater that you see him wearing for the rest of his stint on the show. Another closed caption blooper. Uh, instead, it should have been nearly one o'clock, and the closed caption blooper says it's stealing one o'clock. Episode five eighty four has one of Jonathan's uh, Fritz speaks, and this is not intended to be an anti-Semitic reference. Uh, he's supposed to say, "I wanted to use Maggie," and instead of that, he says, "I wanted to Jews," and then he says, "Use Maggie." Uh, one wonders sometimes. There is a music cue blooper in episode 584 when Maggie is kidnapped by Willie and put into the and put into the mausoleum. And as she's waking up, you actually hear a happy music cue uh, for a short period of time, which is then replaced by the proper one. And one of the interesting scenes in the reprise of the scene between Barnabas and uh, Maggie when he was trying to make her into Josette. Uh, it had been mentioned uh, by our co-host Vicky uh, back then when they were doing this originally, well, why isn't Barnabas biting her? And he wasn't uh, back then because I think they were trying to deal with censorship. Well, at this point, they were letting everything all hang loose and in the flashback now, you clearly see Barnabas giving Maggie a bite in order to keep her in line. Between episodes 585 and 586, you definitely see a positional blooper. Um, Here, Adam uh, steals into Vicky's bedroom in order to try and strangle her. And uh, he moves in from behind her, and uh, she gets up, she's sitting up in bed uh, with her back turned to the camera. And so when he puts his when he puts his arm around her, you really see him. You really see him uh, choking her from the back, and that isn't as good a look as what you see in the first scene of the next episode, where they completely switch the positions, and now you can see Vicky clearly uh, looking into the front of the camera, and Adam is strangling her from behind. Another closed captioning blooper, uh, where Roger is saying, "Let's get the gendarmes." Uh, the closed captioning looper has it as Gorgons. Uh, during the scene in the mausoleum, uh, Willie had opened the door while Maggie was unconscious, and then she woke up, and uh, she tells Willie now she's going to be able to see 
how he gets into the mausoleum. Well, the question is, she needs to see how he can get out of the mausoleum in order for her to escape, not how he got into the mausoleum. So, in closing, through this block, you see the writers toying with a number of choices as to who will be the life force to supply Adam's mate. And at one point, it was going to be Angelique, but Jonathan as Barnabas walked in on that, and she had to disappear before he could see her. And then, of course, the plan was to get Maggie to do all this, and Willie screwed that up by kidnapping her. And finally, Carolyn is the one that agrees to be the life force. And there are some really tremendous scenes between her and Adam. Uh, and you really get the impression, the writers want to give you the impression, that Carolyn really has been secretly in love with Adam all along, but never could show it. In fact, Barnabas confronts her with it, and she doesn't exactly answer her. But we do have a really great cliffhanger at the end of the last episode, and I give credit uh, to the writers for that, where uh, Carolyn is screaming from the procedure... Uh, and Adam has to be physically restrained by Barnabas from going to her, and Julia says to her, if this keeps up for another minute, Carolyn will die, and that's the last scene of episode 591. And so with that, we thank you very much for listening, and now let's get on with the show. Dark Shadow Synopsis from September 1968, episodes 571 to 591. After Dawn arrives, Barnabas stakes Tom in his coffin. Before Angelique beckons, Joe begs Maggie to prevent him from leaving his apartment. Joe apologizes to Maggie, but leaves her again when Angelique summons him. Nicholas learns from Willie how the first experiment used a life force. Angelique is determined to become the life force in the second experiment. Roger offers Jeff a job, but he turns it down. Elizabeth dreams of being buried alive. After a jealous Adam sees Tony and Carolyn kissing, he attacks Tony. Roger is shocked to learn of the changes of Elizabeth is making to her will. When Jeff is unable to explain his strange behavior, Victoria returns his engagement ring. Angelique bites Jeff and orders him to begin the experiment with her. Adam returns to Collinswood and is overwhelmed by Carolyn's gift. Barnabas decides that Maggie must be used to experiment in life force. Willie kidnaps Maggie before Barnabas can involve her with the experiment. Willie hides Maggie in the secret room of the Collins Mausoleum. Barnabas vows to kill Adam, but Adam overpowers him and begins to strangle Victoria. Adam wants Carolyn to be the life force in the second experiment. At the Mausoleum, Willie prevents Maggie from escaping. A frightening Maggie remembers that Barnabas once kidnapped her. Carolyn informs Barnabas that she wants to be the life force for Adam's sake. Julia makes preparations to begin the experiment in the old house basement. And after things go wrong with the experiment, Julia fears Carolyn may die. And that was Dark Shadows, episodes 571-591.
welcome back to the Literary License Podcast. We're discussing episodes 571 to 591. And starting with you, Danielle, what are your thoughts of this block of episodes? Uh, well, I really enjoyed this block of episodes. I, I love um, the storyline is, is definitely like classic Dark Shadows, you know, the Adam and Eve. It's such a long storyline, too. It goes on for like yeah. nine months. But, um, this, <laughs> it definitely does. So like as far as the present day storylines, it definitely lasts a long time. But um, I one of my favorite subplots is in this sequence of episodes, which is the Maggie Evans remembering that Barnabas mm-hmm. kidnapped yeah. her, which at that point, I remember when I watched that when I was a kid, I was shocked because I thought they would never reference that again, that yeah. Maggie had her memory wiped and that all of a sudden she's starting to remember what Barnabas did to her. And now Barnabas is cured. So I'm like, wow, this is crazy. What's going to happen? It was so like unbelievable that this was happening. And those scenes with John Carlin and Catherine Lee Scott in the mausoleum, like Very well like where she confronts him and said, you helped him do that to me. you like, you know, and mm. he, said, I, he made me do it. I, I love, those scenes were just really uh, well done. Um, uh, it's unfortunate that she didn't confront Barnabas himself about that. I was kind of hoping for that at that point, but really like this sequence of episodes. It's the lead up to Eve where Adam but, is, you know, they're starting, they're, they're conducting experiments I mean, bring Eve yeah. to life. You see the bride of Frankenstein bandages around, around wrapped around her head. That's what um, I said in the last episode know. of that block. What I think is interesting about that is if you compare it to the original, uh, when it was originally done in black and white, during the first year, and now they're they're having a flashback sequence. Yeah. Uh, and 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 Vicky had mentioned. I remember Vicky mentioning, you know, like when like when we were when we were looking at it back then, you know, well, Barnabas didn't really bite her. You know, I no. mean, there were intimations of that. Well, now in the flashback, they took care of that where he gave her a nice one in the mausoleum. Uh, as uh, as as she's trying to escape uh, from the they, give it they, to me, baby. Uh huh. Uh huh. was pretty fly for a white guy. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to let people know that yes, uh, he did bite her back then. Uh, so well, yeah, uh, vampires, you hardly ever see them bite. At least Angelique's getting into it in this oh, block, you know. I, oh yeah, favorite. definitely. We have the whole Angelique thing happening. I mean, yeah, right? Angelique is totally making this block for me. I love watching her. Doesn't she great. take chunks out of them? I mean, Jeff I swear. Jeff Clark, she's she got Jeff, she got uh, Joe. Joe. Yep, yep, the only yep, one she yep. hasn't bit is Barnabas. Just like, please uh, play Barnabas. Uh, <laughs> Stay tuned. I know, but I was kind of hoping for like you know, let's. Just- I'm just, I'm just glad Julia in the last segment got her um, boy toy. Got her what? Got her boy toy. Boy toy. toy. Oh my god! I know. Only only to be staked at the beginning of this block by Barnabas. He didn't really have much much chance to uh, produce his character. Well, kind of there, and then he kind of wasn't. It's all a build up, of course. I have a lot of guy liner on me. But all these, but all these uh, dalliances between Joe and Jeff, and uh, I'm surprised he didn't go after Harry Johnson. That would have been. Uh, Did you guys <laughs> just think that this was an anxiety? Every time I watch one of these people, like like especially especially um, Willie Loomis, the anxiety attacks in this block. Yeah. Everybody is having massive anxiety attacks. Yeah. Everybody. 
Yeah, I, I just like man, I was sitting there watching. It's like there's no happiness in this block whatsoever. Happiness is short lived. Everyone gets, a, everyone <laughs> yeah. gets a, um, ment- their mental thoughts being read out. So that was last block. This block is everyone's got anxiety. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and of course <laughs> there's Jonathan's there's Jonathan's um, fridge speak, and you know, uh, and, and you know how he goes ahead and and well, put it down. You know that 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 kind of the, that kind Kind of, uh, and of course that contributes to it. But you know, but I enjoyed Robert Rodin. May he rest in peace. I enjoyed his performance in this block. He's done he, really good. Yeah, he's getting. He, he, he's very convincing, and I think he he has more of a grace period. Like you know how some of the actors sometimes forget their lines. I feel like that would work perfectly with him because he can improvise in a way that people probably wouldn't notice and he would just sound like, yeah. you know, Adam trying to learn English still. But he it, he plays off that role so well. He he yeah. does actually sound like, you know, someone who's learning the English language and you slowly see him become more conniving and he's like an evil child inside of a grown oh man's God, body. It's just so... Me. Blocked, but, but now, I, yeah, he, he, <laughs> oh, yeah. He turns into a bully because Nicholas is, you know, the Nicholas, bad, really bad. And, Nicholas and, is pissing yeah. me off too. Yeah. I mean, he just walks around and does whatever he wants, and nobody—he's the boss. Nobody him. suspects him at all. He's the but evil boss. My wrong on Nicholas, though. See if I'm wrong. Is he supposed to be the devil? Yeah, I think no, so. I, he's, he's the acolyte. He's, he's the devil's warlock. acolyte. He's okay. there, there is a debate in the fandom over this because he is Could have usually, been his first general. He's yeah, he's usually presented as a warlock. Like in marketing material, it's always warlock and right. player. Right. And in an interview from the sixties, the title of the article was Get Hip to the Warlock and and mm-hmm, Humbert Ellen mm-hmm. talks about what a warlock is. But there's also the possibility that he's a demon, uh, and that's also well, been floated. That I would go with that more than more of a lesser demon. Uh, a lesser demon. We're getting yeah. into we're getting into later on, but mm-hmm. we are going to meet Nicholas's boss later on, Balbarith. Yes, yeah, and yeah. Uh, that is, and, and those were and those were fun, and, and yeah. I don't want to talk too much about that. But those sets were really fun to look. Yeah, at. that was crazy. In, in, yeah, in color. I not mean, a Dante's God, they, Inferno. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and I was kind of wondered if Nicholas came, if his character came out two years later after Rosemary's Baby came out, maybe you might got, maybe they would have. Should take off on that. I wouldn't be surprised. You borrowed from a lot of sources. Yeah, yeah, there, that's there true. Was, there was a hint later on where Vicky confronts him and says, "I know you're not human." Oh, well, I'm spoiling it. I don't know if you want me to talk yeah. about, it, but and he says, "So if my if." Cassandra's my sister and she's a witch does that make me a warlock and she says yes and then he just does he smiles and then joke makes a joke about it but they hint at it but it could be that he's a demon I don't know like he has some he seems like really powerful you know like he definitely has power o- over Angelina. He's a renaissance man of uh, yeah. of the netherworld oh, yeah. uh, and- <laughs> but when you break it down there's no he's got to be some form of lesser demon or a, a higher form of general for Satan because he's got too much power and I mean look at how powerful a witch Angelique and he pretty much yeah. stymied her and stopped yeah. her tracks. Angelique- yeah. 
but he will. Know. We don't see it in this block, but he will meet the CEO of Hell, and uh, <laughs> and and that and that ought to be, and that's going to be very very interesting. And I think what it really comes, you really get the impression at that point that that there's that there's a hierarchy uh, yeah. to Hell, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. and Angelique works for Nicholas. Nicholas works for this big shot, uh, and um, but but I think that. The two the two characters that really give strength to this particular block are, of course, Humper Allen is straight as as usual, magnificently chewing up the scenery with the command and control that he is so good at. And uh, Robert Rodan, at this point, it looks like Adam is up for uh, president of a college uh, because he is. Because he's so literate now, and he's so that was quick too. Uh, and he's and he's giving Carolyn books on Freud. Oh. And, yeah, and I mean, get, I mean let's he's like, you haven't it. read this. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I mean, you know, another thing is, I mean, with Nicholas Plan, I mean, they're gonna, you know, basically they're gonna have their little incest army coming around to like take over yeah. human rights. <laughs> Yep. Yep. The army of incest. Him, him and Eve are going to have babies. Uh, I guess when she gets rejuvenated, her uterus is going to be able to reproduce, and then those, then they're going to be mating together, and then they're going to be mating. Together. I know my mate. <laughs> I mean, do they? I guess sounding from a year of two to the twenty, the two thousands or whatever, the twenty twenty twenties now, and just talking about how he wants a mate. I need a mate, and it just goes right back to Spock with a seven year itch again. Right, yep, right. Yep, 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 yep. I don't know why, and it just people. I mean, when the kids were, I don't remember when I was five when we were watching this. I just did anybody explain what a mate was? You know, <laughs> I mean, kids had to have questions. It's like. What? <laughs> It reminded um, me of Tarzan. You know, but you have to, have to remember is that the kids, that, I mean, when this show was airing, by that time, Universal's horror monsters were quite relevant on TV at that That's time. That's true. Frankenstein and Frankenstein. So, I mean, there's a lot of references that while you're watching the show, that you, you had a lot of references there because these things were being aired all the time. Yeah. You know, is, you know yeah. I mean, you know, if you look at your childhood, I mean, most, most of all these Universal monsters things anyway you grew up with, I mean, they were part of your you know, culture, your everyday life Absolutely. sort of thing. So when Dark Shadows was referencing back to this, she pretty much had an idea of what was going on, I think. So this is the one, this is the block, by the way, where they finally say, this is a, that Julia put a generator in the basement and they specifically yeah. address why they're, why everything's supposed to function in a house with no electricity in the basement. So they, so they and I wonder that. who's gassing this generator. <laughs> okay, notice they don't have any they have electrodes hooked up but you don't see any electrodes and you see when jeff clark and angelique are you know trying whatever i don't know i mean i guess i'm just used to the typical old mad scientist stuff where everybody's got the the, the electrodes. oh yeah yeah the neck bolts yeah the bride didn't have the bolts though did she when she was resurrected no, that's, that's true she didn't what was <laughs> which one was it that he pulled her head off she that's had pretty the, stitches. That's the, that's the Dan Curtis <laughs> on Frankenstein. Was that the frat? Was that was his Frankenstein, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, but Jane Seymour that. playing. Just kind of went off. Well, that's interesting. I don't know if I ever actually saw. Oh, that's a Curtis good version. It's a really yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, it was a mini series. I remember watching it. Agnes Moorhead's in it as well. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, you'd probably like it. It's out there still. I'm sure of it. It was on YouTube, Mom. Dan Curtis's. Frankenstein, the true story. 
I have it's to a, look. It's a TV miniseries, like two episodes. <laughs> I think Carlin was in that one, too. Yeah, Sean Carlin was in that one. Yeah, Carlin was in that one. One other thing I wanted to bring up. Right? It wasn't her. What's that? Jennifer Beale, was she in that one? No, that's no, you're no, talking no. about Sting. No, you're talking, about the, 19, Sting. You're okay. talking about the 1970s version. And I, Jane oh, Seymour oh, right. yeah. would do the, Fra- the Bride of Frankenstein. And then because she was so good in that, she would end up doing a fantastic version of East of Eden, which was a two-part miniseries at that time. East of Eden, I remember. No, Before she became right. Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. <laughs> I thought it was I very I loved that yeah. series. I watched it religiously. I loved um, uh, Dr. Quinn. Mm. I thought uh, thought it was uh, the interplay now. Now we're seeing that maybe Carolyn really, really did have deep feelings for Adam after all. And in fact, fact, Barnabas says, uh, confronts her, says, Mm -hmm. you're in love with him, aren't you? But she's also bewitched at this time by... Nicholas. Nicholas. Nicholas Nicholas did the initial job. But you get the impression that there's something underneath that that maybe that spell brought out that she never really wanted wanted to acknowledge the deep feelings that she had for him because obviously when she met him he was a child and uh, and at one point you know and and she talks to Adam she tells Adam he's attractive and 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 Adam says what are you talking about look at my scars I'm ugly she says I saw past that a long time ago or something like that and so you really do get the impression that this is an under she'll never she'll never accept it and never quite come to grips with it uh, this is uh, Carolyn is is the is the kind of love that you have as an adolescent for him and it's just something and, uh, that I think she's just suffered from Stockholm syndrome. I mean, he did kidnap. <laughs> Carolyn's attracted to Karen. Carolyn it becomes like a recurring thing that Carolyn's like always drawn to whatever the monster is. Like it's like she's attracted to the monster who's like then it happens with the werewolf. And then it's with the Leviathan, and it's like that's an interesting point. Like, we'll talk about later. Burke Devlin, Burke Devlin, attracted to the strange, the the evil. And speaking of Carolyn, the one thing you know, there weren't a lot of new uh, people in this block, but one thing was Diana Walker, who oh, came my. on for one episode. Uh, Nancy Barrett got sick, I understand. She had the flu, yeah. I was wondering about that. I was going to ask you. She, she just, the flu, they yeah. must have been really. That day yeah, she was very sick. Nancy Barrett never missed an episode in her life, but she was very sick. And so they brought Diana Walker on as a stand-in. And uh, you can really see the difference in the acting performance. But good for Jerry yeah. Lacey <laughs> as Tony Peterson. He gets to kiss uh, Nancy Barrett one day and Diana Walker the next. Yeah. Uh, so he must have he, he must have been having fun that day. Uh, but uh, Diana Walker, who was born in uh, June 28th, 42. So she's probably getting up there in years now. Uh, but she was in the glass booth in 73. Where the heart is. Do you remember that that short-lived soap in 1969? I I I just remember. I, I just I remember. remember the name of it, but I don't know. Yeah, that was a really short-lived soap. So that is her. Mm-hmm. That is her contribution. And here, Louis Edmonds makes the all-time blooper because Louis Edmonds had to announce her. Uh, you know, for the uh, during the opening credits, and he says uh, the part of Caroline Stoddard will be played by Miss Diana Walker. And Caroline, you would think after 
all this time, he knows how to get it right. I wonder if he did it on purpose because he was like, she's not the real Carolyn, so I'm going well, to... Well, now, Keith, <laughs> Keith, every once in a while, referred to her as Caroline. Now, Keith, this has been justified. Louis Edmonds went ahead and now has justified <laughs> uh, this, this interpretation. <laughs> I couldn't believe... No, and, of course, I'm teasing. But I, I couldn't get over... I just couldn't get over that. that that's, that's the kind of the thing that makes Dark Shadows so... Um, so genuine. Uh, that was very rare, by the way, that Louis Edwards does the opening voiceovers, but he did it that day, uh, and he did it as well. But um, it was it was really, you really got a sense, gee, I can't wait to see Nancy Barrett back in the role again yeah. uh, when, when you saw her. I mean, you know, with all due respect, I mean, she gave it her due uh, and everything, but I don't know. How, well, how do you guys feel? I thought there was something missing. I say it's very hard to come in and do a role for one day or maybe two days, yes. depending on how long you yeah. have to yeah. do. Because, yeah. I mean, I would say, but I mean, out of most soaps and TV shows, Dark Shadows feels like an, a real incestuous theatrical group that basically is like a really close-knit family. Yeah. You know, yes. Anyone that has to kind of come in there has to, and to know that you're only there like as a temp, it's like an office type thing. I agree. Thing. Yeah. Like, I really, agree. Like in a family bit, like a, it's being a temp in a family business. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you don't really, you kind of have to kind of do your thing. But I don't think. And then of course you know that you know it's not like she's taking over the role, but um, I imagine the cast are probably like, oh, you're only here for one day anyway. Should I get to know you? <laughs> but you know, really, I mean, that's what you would think. You know, right. you know, when you work somewhere and there's a temp there, and you know they're only there for a day, do you get to know them? No. Yeah. <laughs> Right. You might show where the coffee machine is, but then you like get on with it. Yeah. Nonetheless, yeah. she still left her mark, and uh, it's an it's an anomaly, an apocryphal anomaly, that she's the only stand-in for Carolyn during the whole run. Uh, we get some. We get some in the future with uh, Victoria Vicky. Winters, though, that's yes. Vicky Winters, you have two of them. You have you have two of them later on. Yeah, yeah. After Alexander left, Alexander Mulkey left. But didn't we also pregnant. have someone else come in for someone uh, um, for a day? Harry. One of the characters previously for this. Harry. Harry. Harry gonna, there's going to be a different person who's going to play Harry. Well, they're, they're probably thinking of Burt Devlin, maybe, because of George coming in and taking it. No, no. We had, we, we had another one that came in for like a day. It was like a day player. They came in there, such and such, we played by such and such. And then they kind of in and out. Well, well you like, also had uh, the caretaker. Um, and, oh, the caretaker. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, oh, that and there was something that the guy that came after him was anemic. Uh, I love him so much, the old guy. And he just never evil, seen him. Oh, I mean, my God, he, he really... Uh, put a uh, put his stamp on the role, and the guy who played him afterwards, I forget his name, was Peter just Murphy. So... Peter, thank you. Oh, the, was that Peter Murphy? Peter yes. Murphy played everything. Yeah, uh, yeah. Peter Murphy played the hand, the foot, you know, and yeah. oh, the, the hand. Whole... Yeah, I forgot about oh. the hand. Oh, oh no, Peter Murphy was very. You no, know, he got he took every any role that they that they threw at him. Uh, so, uh, but he was very anemic when uh, when it was compared to Daniel Keyes. Uh, so, uh, you know, but, uh, but, but still, no, I, I think that also, <clears throat> yeah. And, 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 and of course now the thing now, Joe and Maggie have broken up 
That's the other. Uh, Joe's that's the just other. totally oh. losing it, isn't he? He doesn't. He doesn't yeah. know how to deal with vampirism no. in any aspect. <laughs> oh, no, that was that was a relationship that went stagnant very, very quickly. Uh, very quickly. Oh my God! What does that say? You know, and I almost think he went like hot and heavy to middle-aged, yeah. boring married couple with him. That was it. Was dead. I mean, you know, and not that Maggie didn't try to keep it afloat, but he was just too. Uh, agonized. Gotta give Joe Crothers credit, though. I mean, he really, he really, I don't think he overacted. I think he really played oh, he was, a tormented. He did a good job. Yeah, tormented. I mean, I, I think they're, I think, I think that the ro- I think that the romance and the sexuality in their, um, in their relationship died when he found her wearing that, um, that quilted bedspread. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That was stylish. That was yeah. style. Leave her alone. Remember. Well, let's also think that when Joe ever goes to bed or ever goes to sleep, he never takes his shoes off. So that might be. That's funny. Now, remember also the traveling Afghan now makes its yeah. way from Maggie's couch to Liz's bed sheet, uh, and who and it's gone to Joe's apartment. So the traveling Afghan is being used all over the place. Uh, yeah, it and, is, isn't it? I didn't even think of that. Yeah, yeah the, I do the, see that all the time. Yeah, but, I have to sit there and say though. I mean, I'm I love Joan Bennett and I love Elizabeth, but I am so glad that they just pushed her storyline to the side. Yes. So you get like her storyline at the beginning and then just pushed her to the side because this was getting tiring very, very quickly about her. About the well, that's the buried alive thing. The buried alive. The waste of her talent. There's no doubt about it. Oh, absolutely. Well, she comes back to the fore later on. Right. And they really give us some nice meaty roles. But um here, the buried alive thing—that that's a ripoff of, I think, the Alfred Hitchcock. Did you ever see the Alfred Hitchcock big, uh, thing with Joseph Cotton, where he's in an accident and he can't oh, move? Yeah, and he and can't they all move. Think, oh. That's right, and they all think he's dead, and they're about to bury him. And you and you hear Joseph Cotton's thoughts throughout the whole episode, and he's help. You know, I'm here. I'm here. You know, can't you hear me? You know that kind of thing. And and at the end. A tear falls down his face. Yeah. And and somebody sees the tear and they then they realize that he's alive. Well, this this, well, yeah, this, this is, is a awesome. ripple. Well, well, it's also a ripoff of um Edgar Allan Poe's yeah. uh, House of the Seven um, House of the Ushers as well. Okay. You have um Usher basically walking around obsessed yeah. with death all the time and he's gonna die yeah. and his his doll his, his sister gonna die and we're gonna we're obsessed. Well, I mean, that's like around Paul. Oh, well, like, yeah, yeah. Paul had an obsession with being buried alive, and uh, one of the stories premature was, burial premature as well. Burial mm-hmm, is definitely, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. and other stories as well. Yeah. Well, that yeah, was yeah. Really well, there was that as well. So there's all that little tie-in with. Didn't Angelique mm-hmm. put that in her head? I believe several. Yes. Well, Cassandra did. Cassandra did. Angelique, but... Cassandra, yeah. yeah. But what I, I don't feel know. like they had to reestablish that. I, uh, recently, I think it was in this block. I think they had to reestablish that because the storyline's been going on for so long. Because they did show her dreaming, and then the funeral seeing thing. Angelique as her vampire self, right. like 
right cursing yeah. her again so i think they had to reestablish that for the audience because mm-hmm. it's been going on so long i think people well i think they forgot why about she it like that and right. they didn't now if they really did it right they would have seen they would have had cassandra come on i think in the dream and uh, yeah because that was weird that she yeah. was wearing her same vampire exactly. get up and it, john bennett never i mean uh elizabeth never seen her character like that so it's kind of bizarre that you know, that's well, another thing. It. Another right. thing I found that they kind of messed up here is is that when Angelique back in 1795, when she dies, and the hold that she had over anyone else that died with her, and then we get Cassandra, who then become who basically Nicholas kills. She does die, yeah. And of course, Nicholas brings right. her back as Angelique. Right. So right. you would think that spell would have died like it did before, but yeah. but it doesn't. So with well, so that. So the curse that's left with Elizabeth's daughter is still going, but the curse that Angelique did when she died the first time around, they all ended. So it's kind of this weird kind of thing. Except Barnabas. Barnabas, Except Barnabas's curse. Well, Barnabas, Barnabas curse was a little different because that wasn't through the power of suggestion. That was through the power of a vampire bat bite. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that that makes sense. And the power of... Also, I think they kind of embellished a little because in the beginning when she cursed Liz, it was that she was going to think of her own death all the time. But I don't think at that point she put this buried alive into into Liz's head. That's I just, just think those doctors at that mental institution are not very good. <laughs> well, you're the <laughs> expert on that <laughs> one, Keely. You get that. I'm just saying that she went in thinking one way she came out worse than she did when she came out. No, what what? Where, the dire- where the director is uh, never there and she's yeah. busy doing experiments lab. to get out of them. Who the heck is taking over for her over there, you know? <laughs> That's probably what's going on. The whole place well, is going to pop. They almost had, um, they almost had um, Willie working there as a domestic at one point. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Poor Willie. Don't worry, Willie. Willie can work. He can work here as a domestic. Good job where you used to be incarcerated. You can. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Willie. You think you, don't you kind of get frustrated for for his John Carlin's character because you know this guy is like everybody's you know beating down dummy machine whatever you got, I mean he just takes everybody's crap you kind of wish yeah, he would but he's just not the, he's He's not the brightest. No, he's not. Um, he's, he's like a child. He's like a, well, a child I mean, that never grew up. He has like this kind of stilted way of like thinking and speaking, and he's so nervous all the time. And people don't oh ever God, people treat him like a child. He yeah. is constantly upset. You know, he hates and he hates Adam. Or he takes that gun and he's holding that gun on him from the staircase and just like, go ahead, Willie, shoot him, shoot him. <laughs> and he never does. But yeah, Adam's like, no, you're not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, he goes well, up Adam and he takes the gun. No now. problem. Adam has turned into a very smart cookie, and unfortunately, oh, he needs a spanking, is what he needs. He's well, Nicholas has you know, made him a bad boy. I don't, I don't even think Adam is the one that's smart because I, I thought he was at first, but then I realized that he's just reading off the script Nicholas Blair gives him because then he goes back okay. has a conversation Nicholas with Nicholas Blair, but he's very impressed. And then, yeah. But he's very yeah, exactly. He's, he, like yeah. a kid would be, and yeah. he yeah. comes off. He holds those moments so well. But then when he goes back with Nicholas Blair and has like you know kind of conference, which it is funny the dynamic that Nicholas has because he's like yes. the daddy right now. He's he's Angelique's father. Go back to your yeah. room. I think he's mentioned this last time, and it's just funny because it's so present throughout 
this block as well. The way that he talks to her like she's a kid, talks to Adam like he's a kid. He has a handle over every situation. He's kind of like the father for everybody. And it's yeah. it's a bit amusing. But he also has like yeah. that Mephistopheles kind of quintessential sure, sure, feel sure. from like the, sure. I don't know, the old He's kind of Faustian, don't you think? Definitely, definitely has the you know the. Well, he's got that chin. The he's got the widow's peak, and he's yeah. got the he's got the pointy yeah. chin, and uh, he really. I mean, you put horns on him. I mean, you know, he could have portrayed. He could be a uh, goat man. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Adam, though, Adam has this thing about needing a father figure. Barnabas spurns him. Yep. Yeah. Then yeah. Professor Stokes steps in. Oh, it's true. Father figure, but then, then, then at one point, Professor Stokes wipes, you know, clap, you know, washes his hands of him, and now it's Nicholas' turn to be the father. Well, I because- think there was this battle, and I mentioned this during the last block. There's a battle going on between Stokes, who's trying to tell, yeah. you know, to uh, imbue Adam with ethics and justice and uh, the good way of handling things, yeah, versus Nicholas. Stokes, yeah. Stokes kind of like you know flew the coop for this block. Well, kind of like, yeah, oh, this job was, is, he, it's like this job is. Yeah. Too hard for me, so I'm gonna like. He's <laughs> preparing for the fall semester, remember? So, yeah, <laughs> I think uh, he's I getting think... his hand ready to be put in the box. It's also <laughs> the Stokes is teaching demonology Adam... 101 at college with uh-huh. you. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> what were you saying, Danielle? They, this is where Adam finds out that he's made out of corpses as well. Oh, like, that's right. Yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. Cause yes, Jeff yes. Clark tells him, he says, where do you think you came from? Do you think yeah. you just, I get your- most of the scars, Danielle, but what do you think about these? What, what is the purpose of these? I, scars? I, I don't know. Maybe like, Put the eyes in. I don't. Or something. He was to emphasize. No yeah. at, yeah. at some point, it looks like they had more scars on him in certain TV episodes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> bad plastic surgeon that is. Yeah, I, I wonder why nobody thinks to ever tell Adam, like, "Hey, you know, just because we bring this, you know, woman to life, doesn't mean she's going to have feelings for That's you." That's like, right. Nobody ever like actually tells him that. Maybe they're all afraid to tell him. Like she he might actually, not actually thought like that the woman. No, they was, just they have their own agendas. Thought, yeah. <laughs> he actually Everybody thought that the woman. Agenda. He yeah. actually thought that the woman was going to be an exact duplicate of Carolyn. Yeah, um, which is so ridiculous. He's very it's naive. So ridiculous. <laughs> well, then you yeah. finally get a glimpse that she's wrapped up like a mummy. They didn't. I mean, yeah. so she won't scar. Right. But I guess apparently they didn't realize that he no, would. That's scar. Be, that, no, well, that's because they, they didn't have, have an actress yet. Originally, in the makeup test, which I wish there was a picture of this, I would have loved to see it. They did try with Marie Wallace came on as Eve. They did try with the scars. I heard about that. Yeah, did a did a stitches of. Across her neck, right. but on camera from far away, it looked it like she was wearing a necklace. So they got rid of the the, the scars, which I thought it would have been cool to kind of leave yes. some hints of pay that. for those kind of chokers now, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be honest, how they did it in the that the the classic Frankenstein one that you were talking about that miniseries is that they didn't show the scar, but what they did was they had her wear the the camera choker. Around here. So it gave the illusion that her head yeah. was being held on by this. Okay. That was the one part of that. That show really stood out on my mind just because of that one scene. You know that I never forgot that one scene. Well, that's because until he had that's enough of her, he just tore her head off. So. Yeah. Oh, by the way, let's not forget the, the the most amazing blooper of this whole block is to see Angelique's reflection in the mirror oh, in, the, yeah. in, the, in, the, in the basement. And they, they, there are some dodgy views. They keep doing it oh. on purpose. I'm like, why are they doing this? Why do they keep? Didn't doing they do I don't that think on they remember. 
I thought that I, was on purpose. I, I think she was, it was Leela Swift, I think, directed it. I think she they completely knew forgot. vampires didn't have reflections because of Barnabas. I think that's they right. I, that's right. <laughs> like, maybe they were, maybe Angelique still has some powers as a witch, and she's like, I want to see my reflection. Oh, no, you can't. <laughs> no way you can get away with that. No, no. That was, <laughs> she's, a, she's a vampire, pure, and she's got the wonderful fangs and the, and the gorgeous like, well. maybe, I don't know. Like, how do you, I don't know why Angel, maybe there's a certain type of vampire that can cast, because she, like, they intentionally said, up shots where she like walks into frame and you see her reflection. Well, say like, from my native Brooklyn, I can sell oh, you the Brooklyn she's, Bridge she's over that. A, she's not a classical <laughs> vampire, though, is she? she yeah, it's because it, she because she wasn't bit. She wasn't bit to become a vampire. Yeah. She wasn't her. She was Nicholas kind of punished. She kind of was made by Nicholas. Yeah. So there is, there is, you know, it's an interesting point you raised, Keith, because I think there is something that is not classical about her, um, because she. She bites her victims, but then she stays around to make sure they're all right. And uh, she did that with Joe and she with, with Jeff to a certain extent, you know, that kind of thing. It's the female vampire that cares. The mater- There's a little bit of maternal. And she then does you seem don't- to be a little more until she gets sick and docile, but she's still that's got another that thing. little. Yeah, that's another- <laughs> I, I think it's just because she's frisky. Well, <laughs> I don't think one look at she took one look at, look at Jeff Clark. <laughs> but, but I mean, if you, but if you look at Angelique's Sarah, character, right, Angelique's character right. always hinges on wanting to be loved. That's her whole storyline. Yes. I need to be loved. It, I want yeah. to be loved. All the, I want a lot of the monsters on Dark me. Shadows are they like that. Part of that. Yeah, but but All don't kid them. yourself. She has to keep them in line. She'll give him a nice bite, and you know, bite Jeff again. Uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah, oh yes, oh yes. Just bite him a couple of times in a row because he's like not taking. How come his marks don't show up? I mean, at first they didn't, and then the second time you saw the marks. Uh, I, think I mean, how did nobody in. see them yet? Yeah, you know. I mean, another thing with Joe, I also found with Angelique and Joe situation is that Angelique gets really jealous when Joe was going to see, going off to see yeah. his girlfriend as well. There was a huge jealousy thing going she on. Likes, there as well, well. She likes, well, she wants her. She does. She likes a bit of Joe, sort of thing. Yeah, Joe's cute. Well, yeah. I think Joe was her first major victim. Yeah, if I you think, think so about too. it. So well, she yeah. she has a thing with people, and you know, you know, people you know, are woolly. Well, you know about the first love. Now there's the first bite. A woolly turtleneck does it for her every time. <laughs> Why did they got her dressed up? They got. I mean, I guess she's got to do the the fit the part of the like. But I mean, she's got a shroud on basically. I mean, instead the of shroud, regular, the shroud was better than some of the ugliest thing. The last. Oh block yeah, whatever they had her on in the beginning. Whatever the, the, the black dress. Danielle, like, did you know that? that like black Laura dress? actually threw up on her previously. Did, did you know that that black dress? I heard that oh, that Diana black dress was, was Diana Malay's dress. Did yeah, you heard, yeah, I heard you, you hear saying that. that no, you, I heard, listened to your most yeah, recent. Yeah, and that she gave it to her. Yeah. I see. Yeah, uh, that's what I but that's what I heard. But you know, I mean, it's it's very. I I really think that Angelique the Vampire was and maybe it's one of the more unsung staples because everybody talks about Jonathan and everybody talks about uh you know that you know the the whole but Angelique the Vampire in many instances was more uh and maybe it's the sexy element or something like that the way Laura Laura Parker played it but in but but to a certain extent I think that it was more interesting than Angelique the Witch uh, because Angelique, the vampire here, is cursed, wants to get rid of the curse. That's why she wants to be 
the well, it's, uh, it's, it's life a force. reversal. It's just dessert in a way. It's she's she's uh, you know poetic justice because she turned right. Barnabas into a vampire. Now she is in that That's situation, right. so right. she That's wants right. to get out of it now. So it's definitely a nice reversal. And there are a lot of reversals I think that happen in the storyline, like Barnabas having to be the one who hunts the vampire versus being the vampire uh, it, it, with, with like he did with Tom Jennings and, and saving and, Julia yeah. versus pro- in his storyline, wanting to kill Julia, you know, or, or going back and forth. Exactly. So exactly. there's some, Tom, <laughs> well, at least you've got Jennings and you have Angelique and you've got finally some younger kind of contemporary vampires for a change because it seems like everybody is older. They are getting hotter. The vampires are getting hotter. Yeah, they need to be hotter. <laughs> I like Jonathan Fred, but I mean, he I was think the they vampire. realize that on the show, which is why they uh, put, uh, you know, which is why they put Angelique in there. I mean, what what better we way than. Can I ask you? Know what works, you know, what works for Angelique as a vampire, though, is that. And I've noticed that they're. I noticed that they they caught on to this because there's a lot of camera angles showing this. Is that Laura Parker's eyes are very mesmerizing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Whenever yes. she's doing the vampire part, yes. she's her eyes and they're like focusing on her yes. eyes, and her eyes is like you're like fall. It's like you're almost. Oh, when you're in the view, you're almost falling under the hypnotism. It's almost of, supernatural of looking. Her eyes are so freaking blue and. Um, I have a question. Did anybody ever see the, I wish I could see this when she was on, Lara Parker was on the tonight show as a vampire. She went on with the fangs and bit Johnny Carson. And it's a famous thing. It's, that she it's did, legendary. I, I've and, never and seen it. And I, I haven't either. They, it's it been it lost. Is it's it not lost. on YouTube anymore? No, it's no. lost. It's lost. Did you see uh, it when it aired back in the 60s? No, no, no. Uh, but she did talk about it actually when we interviewed Laura Parker. Uh, yeah. She, she did talk mm-hmm. about that. And, uh, you know, and she, she uh, thought it would be a nice idea. And she mentioned it to, and she, you know, and she worked it out with Johnny Carson. Uh, and, uh, that would have been, yeah, no, that would, that would have been definitely, uh, very, very, uh, I interesting. If it exists in the NBC archives somewhere. I know. I'm trying to find would it. That, well, maybe I'm one kinda, of these. I'm kind of wondering if the, it might, I, the, the thing is, it's quite interesting that if you buy the coffin set of Dark Shadows, it has. Yeah. Like five or ten disc of extras on it. Yes, um, and it's not included yeah. there, but you do get yeah. Joan Bennett on Mike Douglas. Yeah, you do mm-hmm. get John, yeah, Justin Fred yeah. on. John, That's on. on um, yeah, on Carson's show. So I'm kind of wondering that if they could find that. Obviously, there there must be a problem finding this one. Yeah. If they're able to find turn this up other all show. the time. Like you know, you never know what might turn up somewhere in some archive or warehouse or something. Absolutely, absolutely. That. Did you know? I just found this out the other day, and Vicky, you might be interested in this. Apparently, after Dark shadows went off the air they used a lot of the uh sets from dark shadows on one life to live oh no kidding you know what i wouldn't doubt that at all because well let's see well i I would think that they think they used it for as the world turns to some of them well i'll tell you one day that that they caught uh when carla benari marries this black guy in the 80s and they had this wedding in the church the stained glass window in the church, uh, where Jim Craig gives her away. Now, of course, we're talking the old days, but the stained glass window is the Collinwood window. Oh, no kidding! I would yeah, I was, that. I was like, wow, you know, when I, when I, and, oh, and then no they, kidding! Yeah, like, that's the Collinwood it. window. That's the Collinwood window, and, and nothing goes to waste for soap. 
What's that? Nothing goes to waste. We're so no, no, nothing. Didn't Louis Edmund go into one life to live? As no, no uh, as all, all my children. children. All my children. Oh, all my kids. Yeah, that's all right. He children. played uh, Langley Walling. <laughs> Wallingford. Yeah, Langley Wallingford for many years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, he said all my kids. All my kids. All my kids. <laughs> somebody, somebody I used to know said all my bastards. Uh, so. <laughs> he was. I loved his character on that. I just. Oh God, what was his character? He was married to. Oh God, he was Phoebe, Phoebe Phoebe Tyler. No, 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 not that. No. But he married oh. uh, Pearl. Uh, no, not Pearl. Was oh, I don't know. Oh God, what was? Her Wasn't name? it Phoebe Wallingford? Well, not Phoebe. Not Phoebe. He married somebody else eventually, and she oh. was. And she was Oh, like, I know who you're talking about. Oh God, why can't I remember? Yes, I know who you're talking. It was like, was a like a totally like pop- crazy, totally. Yes, yes. Type. Yeah. Oh, it begins with Opal. Opal. Yes. Opal. Opal. Yeah. Yeah. That was gonna make me crazy yes. if I couldn't remember. I loved her so Opal. much. I used oh, to watch that with my grandmother and my mom. Like they watched all my stuff. That was like the only time i really watched us got into a soap opera outside of dark shadows like well the lineup you had the abc lineup and then if you were into any of the cbs or nbc you did a lot of tennis tv back then so yeah i was general hospital because dark shadows was on right after that then when one life to live started when they moved dark shadows from 3 30 to 4 o'clock i watched the first few years of one life to live so i know all about that back back yeah i didn't know until jim storm told me that larry wolick was his brother (laughs) He was the first Larry Wallach, uh, Jim wow. Storm, uh, and uh, it's, and it's a, there's a great shot of the two of them in in uh, in medical uh, attire. Uh, they, they, you know, like right next to each other. You, of course, you never saw that in the show. Uh, but, um, but, it was, but, it was, but it was very interesting. But this is heat, but this is heating up. And, and as you can see now, what they're going through the, uh, with, with who, who's the life force? Well, Angelique has her triad. It right. Doesn't, you know, well, then, she didn't uh, have time. You know, they didn't have enough time. Well, Barnabas walked in on that one, and then all of a sudden she was gone. And then, uh, and then of course, Carolyn. Uh, and, of course, they considered Maggie for it. So now it's who's who's going to be the life force, you know, that kind of thing. Wouldn't it have been easy just to kidnap somebody? Why does somebody got to screw with Maggie anymore? Maggie's been screwed. Maggie. The problem with Maggie, well, that the, was problem the, Maggie that was, the yeah. thing is, like, okay, Maggie's going to be the life force. And you think, okay, fine. Because the thing is, like, okay, Barnabas was going to be the life, you know, Barnabas' life force of Adam. Okay, fine. But then they sit there and, and they think, okay, well, Maggie might be a good choice, maybe. Okay, fine. And then they go, and then, but then what really puts the screw in to the whole situation, they go, when, Car- when they, Maggie gets thrown to the side and they get, then goes Carolyn. And then they tell you, Carolyn, you don't want to do this because you can die. So it's like, okay, for Maggie the time. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, nobody gets so about Maggie. It really is. Again, She's expendable. Hypnotize her. And you know, it's like, oh, that's awful. But you had, but you had like this is Jonathan Fred. He's he's really enamored with Maggie when he first meets her. He goes to the, all the hoops and jumping through of so he could kidnap her and turn her into Josette. But he doesn't yeah, have. But you, you know, I, I, I said this before and I'll say it again that I think that okay, we had Josette, the the love of his life, but that all changed when Vicky went back in time because then all of a sudden Vicky Winters becomes the love of Barnabas's life. Yeah, but, but now, not in the If Vicky never went back in time, maybe it would have stayed Josette for the rest of for maybe. eternity. Maybe, but, but Josette, like we've always pointed out, 
Victoria so, is the him. love of Barnabas's life. I'm but sorry. That, but not in 1795. When, no. If you remember, Barnabas uh, took a very, uh, not paternal, but, you know, it was, he, he, they were right, friends. But you also, but you also got to remember that when Vicky went back in time, that changed Everything. Everything. Because as far as like jo- as far as the Josette Barnabas storyline is concerned, okay, we have this beautiful love story embodied on it up. Of course, when we go back in time, Victoria goes back in time. And of course, you know, you got to remember if you change one small thing in your life, that changes dynamics in your whole yeah, life. Yeah, so the, the, so the this beautiful effect. love story that we're supposed to get for Barnabas and Josette doesn't occur anymore because of Vicky going back in time. Right. But he remembers both timelines. And that I thought was interesting. Uh, You know, he remembered the Phyllis Wick thing and he remembered it's not like he never knew who Phyllis Wick was. Because Um, because Vicky is the love of Barnabas's life because as we said before, I mean, even back in time, I don't know what happened, but Barnabas never put down his life for Josette at one single point at all that we saw. And the only time that he's ever put his life down and put his life in danger and would do and drop everything at a moment's notice is always Victoria Winters. That's yeah. the only he time we ever see him do 40, that. And then you see who he ultimately realizes is the love of his life. And everyone's yes. like, what? I know. No, don't don't, don't go that far. That. Don't go that far. That's too far. Ahead. Going there, I'm ahead. just saying, I understand what you're saying because after all this, yeah, <laughs> I know. Whoa. Too far ahead. But another thing you have to, another thing you have to consider is like when Adam says he's going to attack the Collins family, He's like, oh, don't attack them. They're my family. Oh, but I'm going after Victoria Winters first. And that's all of a sudden like, that puts him in gear. It's like, no, this can't happen. As soon as Victoria oh, Winters' name is and, and interesting, really, when you think about well, it. Well, things like, don't work what? with Maggie, but his plan for Maggie, he definitely shifts his attention. He goes to Vicky. Yeah. To Vicky. And well, to I, Vicky. I don't think he ever liked Maggie. I think he just liked her because I'm well, assuming it was presumed right. that she had a likeness, like a physical yeah. likeness. That's yeah. exactly I think that's, that's exactly it. That's yeah. exactly he wanted her to be infused with the spirit that's of right. yeah. Jose. I don't think that's he right. liked Maggie for who she was. Yeah. Because I agree. He, wanted to change her. he, he didn't sad. know her. He didn't really know <laughs> Maggie right. the way. Yeah. Joe loved Maggie. Joe loved Maggie for who and yeah. what she was. Barnabas likes Vicky for who she is. Yes. Did they say their reincarnation? Not with this character. Anything that word's never been used yet at all. No, I was just wondering because yeah, not with this character at least. Because you got the phoenix, you know, the storyline will kind of like pop in and there out here and no, they don't use it. That's more in the um, ninety one reincarnation. That's a rebirth. You're coming back as yourself, right? I was just wondering. Had they ever not here? Because knowing that they're later with a different character. Well, they all look like those yeah. characters. Although they do deal with, no, this is later, but they do deal with reincarnation of yeah, Josette yeah, as, yeah. as Rachel Drummond in another segment. Yeah. Uh, but, but at this point, you don't have that. Uh, at I this point, it's just everybody looks that. like each other. I'm yeah, sorry. I mean, another thing is that I don't think this family tree really... Um, Dates outside of its own family very often, anyway. So, oh they my probably god, <laughs> <don't wind up laughs> in the best blooper in the world, the ancestors, you know, yeah. But, ancestors. Um, well, if you think about no, it, it well, was, <laughs> you know, I mean, another thing is like, you know, with Maggie remembering about the Joe's that storyline and stuff like this. I mean, the thing is, is that. The world has moved on. Barnabas is no longer the Barnabas that he was. Barnabas is no longer attuned to the whole right. Josette anyway. So that's like 
that's a, yeah. that's over with. That's dusted. I, that doesn't matter. I that was so well, interesting. That'll come back again around. That keep, that's that's a cycle that keeps coming back though. But that was so interesting yeah. when. But know, at this when, point, uh, at this point, Barnabas yeah. is not even Joseph's not not is not even a twinkle in his eye at the moment. That's mm-hmm. like that's over done with. His love, which is crazy with. because he's going to have to deal with that again because Maggie's beginning to remember. Yeah. So yeah. how is he going to handle that? She's not beginning to remember. <laughs> so, she remembers everything. Yeah, yeah she that's, does. Well. We do yeah. got yeah. Um, we got Julia Hoffman back with her Christmas tree decoration trying to hypnotize her again. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, who's running Wincliffe while all this is going on? Well, that's what I was saying. I mean, she, you know, she's probably the inmates. Got, probably got some schmuck <laughs> that goes to work. The inmates. <laughs> that's what. There's a reason Elizabeth was the, let loose. The inmates are running the asylum. They you know? are. That's funny. That's funny. If I was going to be locked up somewhere. I'd want to be locked up. Oh, you know how funny of a storyline that would be. What if a Elizabeth was the ringleader for that. Oh my God. And I she let all the end. Right. A big finish audio uh, drama. <laughs> right, right now. Oh, yeah. yeah Liz, Liz and the Apple Dumpling Gang. I was working at a mental institution here called Shenley Hospital here at, um, when I first came here in, in, uh, wow. in Hertfordshire outside of London. Right. And what would happen is, is that it was on top of this hill and it's like an old Victorian building. It used to be an old Victorian workhouse, but they turned it into a mental institution. And back when we used to have them here, and there's this long winding country road that would go down the hill, and the inmates would get out at, in the middle of the night, and because the shop would be at the bottom of the hill next to the train station, they get out in the middle of the night, and people would actually end up hitting them <laughs> with their cars. <laughs> oh no! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! In the middle of the night, and so you would see all these mental institution pa- mental patients like going, to, you know, going down this big country road, and these cars would be speeding up, boof, 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 sort of thing, like makes. <laughs> But it's, so, so when you were saying that about Elizabeth's daughter getting up, that's all I can think of. I always think about Augensburg. Remember that the state mental facility they have in Augensburg? Yeah. Augensburg, I've heard we of it. Used to, we used to yeah. drive by, we used to take somebody there to visit somebody, and they would knock on the window and ask you for quarters and cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. That's just always like, is Liz knocking on windows asking for quarters? <laughs> <laughs> Poor Liz. <laughs> I mean, you know, interestingly we... enough, though, um, if you look on our if you look on our website now, I actually found a map of Collinsport and about where everything's laid Ooh. out. And I have to sit there and say that makes it even worse when you try to figure out how these people are walking from place to place in this place because <laughs> they're like they're quite far away. You oh know? yeah, of course. You know, because Vicky would always talk about going like I don't know into town walking or walking to like Eagle Hill Cemetery. It's like, how are you getting to these I know, places? Like, uh, yeah, one per- it's like a hundred miles away. Isn't Wincliffe supposed to be like a hundred miles away? Yeah, and every- like, like, yeah, oh yeah, they keep changing the distance for it's like how how did that happen? Like maybe because Sarah is supernatural, like when when um, well, even yeah, Eagle Hill Cemetery was, was the same way though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Yeah, you know, because um, uh, isn't Maggie at Eagle Hill Cemetery? Yeah, yes. Eagle Hill. Yeah. So Wait, that means and that, so where did how did Elizabeth get home? <laughs> like, did she walk? Well, yeah. Ruby, Ruby, take, Ruby takes Maggie, walks her to like, Eagle Hill Cemetery, puts her in the mausoleum. Then Maggie escapes. So Willie then walks all the way to the old house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you have to wonder. It's like they're all. You cats. know. I, 
<laughs> this this block has also made me realize how much I miss Barnabas as a vampire because yeah. right now I he know. just reminds me of this feeble elderly man and who's married to another feeble older woman, which is Julia. They, they just kind of had like this old couple dynamic and he <laughs> takes like the shotgun and it's like, Barnabas, <laughs> you're not going to do anything. Like go back to being a vampire, please. Cause that's much more interesting. I don't want, I don't care. Up. You, you'd think seeing Barnabas with a shotgun would be cool, but it just isn't. And you just want him to go back. Uh, I have have to sit there and say that Barnabas and Julia are probably more age appropriate than before than the other ones. Oh my God, I know. But then, (laughs) but but he's right because you've got, you've got, uh, you know, Frankenstein there beating up Barnabas, taking the gun from him and stuff. So it's like, really? You would think that Barnabas, you know, he doesn't have a superhuman strength anymore. And why doesn't Angelique have superhuman strength? What's going on with these vampires? Well, Angelique, you're not quite quite (laughs) sure what Angelique's strength is because the only only, only one that retaliates against her is Nicholas, but Nicholas has that superpower holdover, so you're not quite sure. You've never actually seen seen anyone fight against Angelique because she's all womanly curves and basically it's like every man wants it, so she's fine. Angelique's strength is in the sensuality. Sensuality and hypnotic eyes and vampire eyeballs. And the way yeah. she opens no, up her mouth. A woman in the 60s, I was going to say, free. Trust me, I was going to say, yeah. yeah. I was going to say earlier, like even David Selby referred to Lara Parker's eyes as moon eyes. I remember that in yeah. the interview. I thought that was interesting because you could. My mom used to make fun of that interview because he seemed like he was secretly in love with Lara Parker because, like, they're all married to oh. other people, <laughs> you know. But I mean, another thing is that we got. I mean, you know, Barnabas is mortal now so obviously that you know whatever happens he's you know he's got the frailties anyway i to be honest that the weirdest thing i found is and it's quite sad because this is a tv soap opera and i kind of wonder if they probably might have done this differently if it was like a film version but the size difference between adam and carolyn when they're standing next it's to each other tea. carolyn looks like a little girl it's kind of bizarre because really she's so big and she's so yeah. small it was just like yeah you know what that reminded me of it reminded me of eg daily and 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 then rob zombie movie with you know death ed oh uh, yeah she's 31. so petite and he's so big that's the exact same scale because because I have to say after i saw a couple scenes with them then i started to like look for her in other scenes like how how small is she? She's trying to like compare to like other people in this cast. Well, her legs are very so small, tiny. Yeah. I mean, look at they got to be, you know. Yeah, but he's he's gigantic though. He's six foot. He wasn't. He's seven. like six foot five. Didn't he tell us he was like six five, six six? Tom, I think he back in yeah, the day. Six six, I believe he said. Yeah, I mean six, that's six. extremely tall anyway. So I mean, yeah. and I imagine most of the cast is probably about five foot seven, five foot eight. At the moment. No, he towered. I mean, Fred was tall, but he towered. He was six Jonathan. foot two, I think. Jonathan. Jonathan was pretty tall. But, he was but, a tall man but, too. Everybody's tall. Well, I don't think Sam was tall. No, no, no. Sam was Sam was a short Sam, little. Tall. Sam's gone, and Sam's little mouse glasses are gone with him. Even his ghost wears the glasses. I, like, I know what. <laughs> the only ghost yeah, I ever saw ridiculous. that sat down in a chair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was so pitiful. He was so pitiful when he before he died. I felt so bad and they missed like that old pop and Sam and uh, Maggie dynamic and it was just yeah. totally obliterated and now there isn't any of well, that it's like Maggie is basically she's on like, her own roaming around the, yeah on her completely it looks like well, they're and, struggling at this well the point question the question the basically story. is yeah. the question is though with Joe gone they'll see breaking up if Maggie were to go missing would anyone miss her no. um, 
she doesn't uh, have a, obviously she's not working at the coffee shop see. anymore we're she doesn't have a job see. yeah you kind of wonder how she's, she's no longer hanging out with Vicky well, well, <laughs> Joe's case about not having a job I find that very interesting <laughs> yeah what happened what to I'm going to build myself a fleet and be, have myself a fishing fleet. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? Happened? That was exciting. Oh my God. That went down the pike. That's I was with Carolyn on that one. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's totally exciting. We should get a different <laughs> job. Like, why do you want to do that with your life? Like, why is that your life goal? I know. <laughs> be a fisherman. Look how things yeah. Have I mean, I could see well, like it, working your way up to something else, like anything else, but then well, that's that what we said about if Carolyn and Joe got married. Can you really picture Carolyn like oh. coming home into a husband that smelled like fish every day? I suppose you remember <laughs> now. Speaking of breaking up, uh, Jeff and Vicky now are their, their engagement. Thank uh, the Lord. <laughs> now she's off walking around pitiful and heartbroken. Just like somebody give this girl a storyline. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have to say I don't know what the writers are doing with Jeff and Vicky, but Jeff is very mentally abusive towards Vicky. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like this weird thing going through. It's, and it's well, no it's trust. Like, when her and Burke were getting hot and heavy, then Burke would have like this paternal, like, you're stupid to her. You're stupid. You'll do as I say. How dare you? And all this other stuff. And Jeff's doing the same thing. It's kind of weird. I don't know why they changed. I'm, I'm glad Vicky actually stood up to him, though. I'm so glad she's the one that broke it off because well, again, usually she's strength. so docile. It's annoying. Well, no, remember and this time. I, I've said it time and again in, from the beginning. The original intent of the Vicky character was to show some strength. Exactly. The, and that's what persona. I like about the character. And when she becomes this weak, docile, like, thing that just listens to everyone around her and doesn't understand they everything. They watered it down. It gets they watered, frustrating. They watered it down, but there's still this inner core in her that can that can respond uh, to mm-hmm. c- certain situations. And she and she was right on the money when she said, we don't have trust. You know, you want me to tell you everything? You're not being transparent with me. And of course, he was afraid to tell her about all this, you know, all this nonsense. But he turned down this job offer that Roger offered him. You know, oh, there's a sales program, Jeff. You'll be very, you'll be an excellent salesman selling fish, you know, or whatever. And uh, and he wouldn't, and he wouldn't. He goes, well, I'll go next week. <laughs> I'll go there. I mean, that's a, that's another thing about Jeff that kind of turns me off about him. For a man who doesn't know who the <laughs> hell he is, he's got a hell of an ego on him. Do you know what I mean? He's yeah. you know, <laughs> and, you know he's, he's got this huge ego. He's yeah, got and, yeah. he, and he thinks that you know he's the dog's dinner, and you kind of think it would have been nice. <laughs> a little bit of I don't know, just a little. Tell bit the Americans what a dog's dinner is, uh, Keith. Tell the Americans what a dog because that's a British expression. The dog. Um, he's, Dog's dinner basically he thinks he's the bee's knees and he's pretty, pretty much like chow. He's yeah, a dog yeah, chow. <laughs> That's what a dog's dinner is. It's dog's like, you know, th- thinking that you're something special, but the, you might think that you're a fantastic meal, but you're just dog chow. <laughs> kind of thing. And he's, and he's kind of, and that's, and that's the thing about Jeff, the Jeff character. And it's kind of, I don't know what happened, but there's kind of like this the, ideal, the idolized relationship between Vicky and Jeff. And then this turned into like, Jeff is going to, Jeff, Vicky's my woman. I'm going to hit you over the head of my club and I'm going to drag you to the bedroom by your hair. <laughs> man thing. And then we got, and then, then we got the Jeff running around thinking that God's gift and there's this e- e- egotisticalness about him. That's kind of a bit off putting a little bit. And the thing is, is you're supposed to be rooting for Jeff and Vicky to get together. 
And I don't know what the writers were thinking, but you, you, I'm finding him very, very annoying. Well, I think part me. of the I've issue... I've always found him annoying, <laughs> to be honest. Well, part of the issue, there are two things. One of which is Angelique was responsible for the breakup of Joe and True. Peggy. Yeah. And now, partly, Angelique is also responsible, but not uh, for the breakup of Jeff and Vicky, but not so much because the real issue with Jeff is the fact that he has to be helping out uh, in the cre- in the experiment in right. the basement, and that's what's keeping him from pursuing his normal life in his in his in his real life. But Angelique still has a hand in that. And, and and I think that's part of what I think the writers said that Angelique is the uh, she's the she she breaks up she well, she breaks up parties. Ad, you know? Adam is threatening to kill Vicky if the experiment right. doesn't come off. So Jeff is kind of cornered into that situation, but he's not being very um, you know diplomatic yeah. about how he's he can't ex- tell Vicky or anybody else what he's doing. So. Just, I guess in the 1795, he's like the knight in shining armor. And, yeah, uh, Peter, Peter Bradford. Bradford yeah, yeah. yeah, Peter Bradford. Sort of thing, I guess it's just yeah. yeah, it's that whole thing about like, oh, you're going, you know, you know, you're going after Barnabas. You can't do that. I don't want you to do that. I forbid you. And it's like he's a protagonist. What are you, what are you going on about? It's like yeah. going to come between these two. <laughs> Someone's going to, you know, I mean, if something happens, you want to go see Joe and have a quiet drink with him. I would be worried, maybe, but Barnabas. You know, yeah, yeah. it's like, you know, oh, I don't want you to have sex with your dad, your daddy figure. It's like, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> because that's how Vicky looks at Barnabas is more like a father figure, a um, a guardian, someone who mm-hmm. she can look up to. And a guardian, really. I, and think, that, and that's, yeah. I mean, I know Barnabas's um, eyes on Vicky are totally different. He has, you know, there's a love thing or something going on there. But Vicky's right. view on Barnabas is like, like, this is like my father figure. I look up to him. He. You know, he's the kind of person that, you know, that gives me fatherly advice, always got to give me a guiding hand. He's that kind, you know, she, that's her view on Barnabas. So that's how I pick up on it anyway. Uh-huh. Well, it is interesting. I, like, I do wonder what the dynamic between Barnabas and Vicky would be if it was someone more age appropriate or if it was like right. a modern Victoria with like an Edward styled Barnabas or something I think with good writing. Honest, I think there would probably be a mutual respect between the two of them. I think it probably would be something that would have blossomed quite well if they ever get together. Sure. I think not, I mean to be honest, I think the best person for Victoria probably would have been Joe anyway. Because That's interesting. Yeah. Because the reason with is Joe would Joe would be the protector, and then the, and when Joe would be, they would have something a little bit you know like like with Joe and Maggie at the beginning. They're well, Maggie, Vicky, Vicky, and Maggie are pretty much kind of the, the you know the two sides of the same coin sort of thing as right, far as the right. personality and stuff like this goes. Um, but remember, you know, unfortunately, with yeah, Vicky and yeah, Burke, we yeah. got this you know Vicky yeah. looking for another father figure, Vicky and Barnabas another father figure sort of thing. Um, but to be honest, I don't think Vicky, Vicky's idea, Vicky's actually a lot, Vicky's got this, she's got this complex personality about Vicky that basically what you get with Vicky is that she may seem like the damsel in distress, but she's the one that gets herself out of every single mess that she gets herself into. It's her, she might look like all these people are maybe trying her, trying to help her out, but it's always Vicky that gets herself out. So Vicky's not as weak as she thinks she is. Vicky's probably no. the, the strongest female character outside of it. And by the way, because I to think, be honest, yeah, and, you know, yeah. if you look at what the first time she's um first time that she's kidnapped, Josette helps her out, but she kind of gets herself out of that mass. And you know, th- you know, every time she gets kidnapped, she's the one that kind of gets herself out of the mass. 
even when she's locked in that room and Roger's pretending he's a ghost outside, she's the one who gets <laughs> yeah. out of the mess. Oh, that, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> and if and if you also look at the aspirations and the ghosts and the people from the past and all everything around her, it's funny that you know they go to her. They don't go to anyone else. Josette's ghost and all those other ones, the ghosts who are helping you, always right. tend to go to Victoria, but they don't go to anyone else to help them so far. So now, the in my view, the the perfect character, the perfect one for Vicky would have been none of these, but would have been Frank Garner, if you remember yeah. Frank Garner. I agree with that. Here. I thought they would have been perfect. They, yeah, yeah, and he yeah. just disappeared, too. He must have yeah. won yeah. money, I think. So yeah, yeah that's exactly when 1795 came and there's nowhere, nowhere to reincarnate, you know, reincarnate him in anything, I'm pretty much sure that during that six months, he probably got another job. Exactly. <laughs> well, no, he was in a number of soap operas. Um, but the thing that I wanted to mention was, you know, here, talking about Garner, who do we hear about now in this block that we haven't heard about in ages? Oh, Richard, yeah, Richard Garner, the father. Yeah. yeah. And because Liz is calling him because she wants all these crazy things about the bell and the tower and the buzzer and the coffin and uh, all this. And, and, and he won't even talk to her. And she gets pissed and says, oh, I'm not having him anymore. And so that's, there's, the, there's the end of her relationship with Richard Garner. And uh, she goes to Tony, calls up Tony Peterson, which gives Jerry Lacey a chance for a, for a, day, for a day roll, because we only see him once or twice in the block. Uh, and uh, that, yeah, one, twice, I think, in the entire block. Uh, but, uh, but that's another interesting anomaly that Frank Garner is brought back from the dead, so to speak, and will probably never be spoken of again after this. But that's just, oh, yeah, they're no, they're no longer the law firm for the Collins, are they now? Now it's gonna be uh, no, not if she threw them out, but I don't know how long that that well, this is he's gonna be a lawyer for. For <laughs> Tony's last episode too, though that's the last time you're going to see Tony because Adam tells him get out of here, and then he has the episode with. You don't see you know, Tony anymore, but well, no, that was we, Tony's last oh, episode. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, and he's gone. I guess it's Adam good. scared him. <laughs> I guess so. Back. Well, his his character was wearing a little. You know that was that Tony Peterson character was. Yeah, very, they didn't have much rather to boring. That was a, rather anemic as compared to Jerry Lacey's other roles. Oh, God. Trask is such a memorable. Oh, yeah, you know, that's Trask for sure. And, Trask yeah. and the, Tra- the Trask clan. And uh, yeah. you'll see a lot more. And you'll see a lot more we of did that. We get to revisit another, you know, another branch of the Trask tree. Mm-hmm. When, and, speak, and speaking of John Carlin as Willie, if you think that Willie is kind of dumb and doesn't, doesn't have a lot of... Uh, is missing a few mice up in the attic or something. Uh, later on, and I don't want to get into this too much, you're going to see another side of Willie in parallel time. Oh, that version. A parallel universe. And then the Willie of that universe is an intelligent, educated author. William H. Loomis. Yes, and yeah. So that the, is the parallel another, universe, Willie. That, yeah. <laughs> that is another side that you have never seen before for anybody who hasn't seen <laughs> that yet. So John Carlin really has uh, the opportunity to explore a dynamic range of characters. And that's one of the but 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 the Willie Loomis of art of, of, of this time is is something is very, very endearing because yes. of the triumvirate between Barnabas Julian Willie. That's he's a captain. millennial. Yes. He's always the victim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did find <laughs> the exchange <laughs> between. Oh, sorry. Excuse I didn't me? mean to interrupt. No, no, go ahead. No, sorry. Carry on. 
I was gonna say that I found the dynamic when uh, Willie kidnapped Maggie. I found their dynamic so funny. Like when they first start interacting, and he's in the mausoleum. She's trying to get out. She's saying things like "You must be crazy," or just yeah. I don't know. I found yeah. their conversation so hilarious. I know I could have gotten out of that mausoleum past him. I don't know how many times. It's <laughs> like, show some Yeah, effort. it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's well, ridiculous. Vicky, you could just take the guy and throw him across I the room. I have to say, you know? though, I mean, there he, are some real fucking things. There really you go. You eat your spinach. You know? there's, but, some real, uh, there's some real sparks between Willie and Maggie, though. Willie, I mean, Willie's feelings for Maggie. There are a lot of, you know, sparks there. But you know the funny thing about Willie, though, that I found out in this in this block mostly is that Willie's a bit more switched on than you think he is. He's what? He's more switched on than you think he is. I mean, to be honest, he knows how Adam was made. For yeah, someone who's yeah. not that, yeah, I mean, he's not that switched on academically. Let's right, say right, right, he knew right. he knew how to explain the whole process bit by bit. I don't think he's stupid at all. I think he has a lot of common sense and people would live a lot longer if they'd listen to Willie once in a while. Yeah, he's just go. impulsive. He, he acts on impulse is the problem. He's just, I feel like like Maggie, after the, their traumas, both of the characters like drastically changed and became, they're just more susceptible to being overpowered by people yeah. who have more authority, I think, is what that is. It's not that they're stupid. It's just that they become more docile around yeah. people yeah. who have that because of their trauma. Because both Willie, like, if you look at them before their trauma, they were completely different characters. Like, Maggie used to be, like, the sassy, you know, like, waitress. Really? That was the beginning. Yeah, and now, like, especially after Barnabas bit her and after she was kidnapped and stuff like that, she totally lost that. And yeah. she lost um, it as well. That's a great insight. That's she great actually insight. started to lose that beforehand when uh, when she started dealing with uh, with David Ford and Sam Evans, not the first one, uh, Mark. Uh, I forget Mark Allen. Allen. Mark, Mark Allen. Allen was the first one, but when she started dealing with David with, with David Ford, then they I think they decided to soften the character, and they got rid of the blonde wig and they put uh, you know, and then she started wearing the more natural, and then there was this relationship between Pop and the daughter, and that was when it really started changing. Now to the to the extent where she really and, and she's going to change even more actually, as the show goes on. And I don't want to get into that. But, well, uh, I mean, but you also got to look at the simple fact that, you know, this is the first, I mean, Peggy was the caretaker, the caregiver for her father, let's face it. Right. She, was the, she, had, she was the adult in that relationship. Right. Um, dad dies. Um, so basically all she's got left is Joe, which is a kind of a dying relationship anyway, from what we can see. Oh, from she's what they're showing us. And so Maggie's pretty much, oh on her own i mean there's no friends no family nothing she's not a, i mean her whole life was her dad anyway so if you think if your whole life is this one person in your life they die violently which he did yeah. die violently i mean yeah. it wasn't an easy death yeah. Yeah. in front of you sort of thing and then you're on your own and then the one person that is who's who's providing you support is running off apparently with another woman as far as she's concerned so basically, you're left all alone. So what do you do? Except uh, somebody is moving in, even in this block, and that's starting to be Nicholas. Nicholas is starting to very slow. Yeah, but that's but that's she, another. That's still another daddy fixation sort of thing. Yeah. I don't know if it's Nicholas's age, but there's a daddy thing going on there. Kind of, kind of a weird 
thing. You know, he might be interested in her for a little Nikki, but I just can't see Maggie wanting a little bit of Nikki for Nikki. So no, I, I have I haven't I haven't been seeing any of that yet. Um, Maggie doesn't seem interested in him at all right now. I don't feel it. I but think yeah, I obviously. Think, I, I, I think if there's any interest there, it might be that he might be a protector for her, like the protector. Mm-hmm. But Maybe. I can't see it being a love a love interest for Maggie to. I mean, Nicholas could be, you know, Randy Devil Demon guy wants you know young oh, virgin, you know, virginal maiden here. You know. I mean, or, or, the way this show handles Maggie, romance is kind of weird. weird. If you think about it, the, the way that this show kind of handles certain romances is kind of weird. It's very. I mean, maybe it's just because it's an old fashioned way of viewing it's things, but it's like it was different back if, then. If you. I mean, I, I feel like the man thinks that if a woman could get him to cry on his shoulder, then he'll have her. It doesn't matter what you look like, where you come from, how old you are. If you can get the girl to cry on your shoulder, you basically have her. And that's all you need to do is, like, get her, if, if she's with another guy, get them separated somehow, make it his fault, make her sad, and then she'll come to you, and then you'll just be gold. I feel like that's kind of the logic about how all of these guys think that they, they can get girls, especially the villains. Like Barnabas does that with Vicky. I feel like um, Nicholas is doing that with Maggie. And it's just kind of, I mean, it, it's, it takes a little bit more effort than that. Like you have to, if they're not into you, you're going to have to put more effort or put a spell on them or something. And whether Nicholas likes her because she's Maggie or for a, an alternative agenda it's kind of unclear right now. And I honestly don't remember because it's been a while since I, I've watched well, he these. He kind of showed um, up abruptly episodes. anyway. because he does Exactly. So everything about him is kind of, you know, still a little confusing. You don't quite know what he's there for. Well, another thing is everyone's kind of taken, aren't they, to a certain extent? Yeah, but like, what are the options anyway? It's such well, a small... When you have a limited cat, when you have a limited... I mean, if you want to look at... And everyone's related. Yeah, but if you want to look at the, you know mechanics of running a tv show when you have like uh, a limited cast so you can't bring a lot of people in and out you kind of have to start it's a bit like friends by the end of friends by the time friends ended they pretty much all slept with each other exactly <laughs> yeah at least they weren't related though you don't yeah, keep bringing new blood into the show pretty much you end up like dating everyone that everyone that you've been in the show with at some point or another as far as that goes exactly so you have that as well but you know i mean to be honest, it would probably would have been more interesting to have Nicholas going after Elizabeth's daughter. Yes. What an interesting idea. Wow. That <laughs> would be fascinating. They Everyone always goes after daughter, people that are their age. Well, to be honest, like, it's like think about it. You're you know, you have the power the power of Collins Port. Yeah. Elizabeth is the queen. I mean, if, if you know, Elizabeth is the queen of Collins Port, basically. Yes. So mm-hmm. you control the queen coming in there and you control everything i know but they got her like as asexual as a house plant i mean (laughs) she has no love interest at all yeah that's true to be honest though the thing is is all nicholas would have to do is give elizabeth a couple little like little wings a little nod and tell her how wonderful and how gorgeous she is and nick she would just turn up she just would melt like butter so you know i just thought of something i don't think so he would. She would actually. Uh, if she was bewitched, I don't think she'd say run and say, "Here I am." No, 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 no. but I'm, what I'm sitting there saying is, you got to remember where Elizabeth is in her life at the moment. Yeah, she's uh, messed up in the head. No, I mean, it's, you, you take you take the curse away from Elizabeth, 
which is pretty, but it'd be pretty easy to do. You take the curse away from Elizabeth. What you have is a woman with empty nest syndrome because Caroline no longer needs her. Right. David is getting to an age where he no longer needs her. She so you know, times when come in and, give, and play, play on that empty nest syndrome me. and make her feel like a special woman. And it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be that, it wouldn't be that difficult to turn her into the being that she was when she was married originally. Because this, you know, the, the whole drama of you know, the death of. Yeah. The death of Carolyn's um, father is over. Yeah. She's dealt with that now. That's she's past right. that point. We don't. She don't she's not going to revert back, back to that relationship. We don't know that the yet. father died. Remember that. We don't know that the father died. Yeah, we, we don't really. Well, know. we know that we know that he's disappeared and he's not coming back. Because to be honest, it's like Danielle, we the only the relationship that, that we've had point. with her was basically Jay. No Jay comment. No comment. And you'll so you'll see what the story is on that. But I just thought of an interesting takeoff. But it's a good thing it didn't go in this direction. But what if Nicholas decided he wanted to marry Liz? And now become a Jason McGuire substitute. Yeah. Uh, See, I would I wouldn't make that a Jason McGuire sort of thing. I would make. I mean, the thing is, is that Jason McGuire was a sleazy sales, a, car, a sleazy car salesman, wasn't he? I mean, let's face it. You know, he's got a person <laughs> up and, he's got a person the door and trying to sell you an electric lux vacuum cleaner. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, this will sweep up the dandruff on your head, sort of thing. Where. Nicholas will be a bit more suave. Another thing is that with Nicholas is that you've got someone in the class structure that matches Elizabeth's class structure. I mean, at the end of the day, the Collins, if you look at the class structure, you know, this is upper middle, you know, this is not, you know, upper classes. That's what the Collins are. Everyone else is lower class. Jason was lower class, not even middle class. And so for Nicholas would come in as, you know, he's basically like a Duke or Earl or someone who's polished, someone who's educated, someone who's upper class. And they would actually make a really good thing. And Elizabeth would go for that because Nicholas comes across like he has money, like he's cultured. He has money. That's he's true. got. Right. Suave, and they would make a perfect match. No, I think that's Absolutely. totally a brilliant idea because I think they always use Vicky and Maggie solely as like the victims of the show or like the damsel and they always waver back and forth between which one they're going to use and it's like you have other characters with different storylines and I feel like it would be a totally fresh take and it would make it would put an interesting dynamic in an area where even though like all of these are very interesting aspects or storylines or characters you're they're coming at, at a time when it feels like the show's kind of languishing but trying really hard to you know keep up with the 1795 and all of the fascinating yeah. storylines that came with it and i think i mean that would have been a really cool idea that i guess they didn't think of at the time because there are a lot of cool ideas that they're still coming up with they're just not they're not taking advantage of them and maybe don't know how to because they're trying too hard or something. I don't know. Maybe they well, just push pushing them like to do more and more and more. You know, he yeah, wanted exactly. a big surprise every time. I think, you know, with the Nicholas thing, they're setting up the Achilles heel for Nicholas, basically, which is, you know, Nicholas mocked Cassandra slash Angelique for falling in love, being in love with Barnabas. It's right. kind of forbidden to be and in love. And, and yet here he is yeah. drawn to Maggie. So they're yeah. setting up this kind of chink in his armor because he's such a you know powerful character you know supernatural character but he like the other uh, supernatural exactly. beings on dark shadows they fall there they can fall in love you know so or i don't know if it's love in nicholas's case but he's certainly drawn to i think maggie's innocence perhaps with a desire yeah. to corrupt that innocence it, i think 
you know. Uh, I so, think actually Adam asks Nicholas if he's in love with Maggie. And he yeah. says, I wouldn't call it that. Yeah, he said, uh, I don't. That's not a word I like to use. I yes. like to use, yes, 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 that kind of thing. But he doesn't yeah. deny it, and yeah. that's the other thing that that that's the little seed right. uh, that 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 we've seen on occasion up to now. Uh, when he, but you know, but he, of course he runs to the house and everything. But he's very, very pissed off that Angelique for letting Joe uh, out of her, you know, but because Angelique doesn't have enough control over Joe, uh, and there's this big fight going on where uh, the, the 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 Joe Haskell character is trying to is trying to knows that the healthier option is to be with Maggie, uh, but but there's then this unholy. Uh, option of Angelique calling to him, and uh, and and the the whole thing is enough to tear him apart, and uh, and that is part of also the soap opera. Uh, there's a little there's a little soap opera in this in this block, uh, and then that I think is one of them. And um, then the then the engagement breaking up between Jeff and Vicky. That's also another little soap opera element. But I guess you can't help that sometimes. Uh, we're so we're so looking forward to seeing the supernatural uh, that we kind of sometimes forget that, that that there's a there's a daytime element in here that appealed to the housewives and the kids and the teenagers, uh, the housewives especially, and that that's necessary. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, I mean. I mean, looking from the writer's point of view sort of thing, another thing is that it's really hard to keep Maggie involved in storylines that are not involved around the main house or the old house right. as well. And so that keeps her, keeps her character going within the confines of the story arcs that we have. Because if you didn't have this, basically, where else are we going to stick Maggie sort of thing? Right, that makes sense. You know, so as far as that goes. Though I do think that, you know... It could be worse. They could try to, you know, get her into a love interest with, you know, Mrs. Johnson's son. Oh, oh. God, no. <laughs> no, thanks. Let's not do he that. He just needs to go. He needs to go. Harry. Yeah. They, oh, need, Harry. they need some young, they need some, they need some like serious romance action going in and stuff. Cause that's all I, right now. We'll see. It's all hit and miss. So <laughs> this person gets bit, this person gets kidnapped. I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, you can have the perils I mean, of Pauline all you want, but they need some substance to it. In this, I do have to think there and wonder about, is it Harry Johnson? Yeah. Why, what is that character? Why is he there? I just, it's, it's, extra, he's, he's filler. it's just like, but it's just, it's just kind of a weird character because the thing is there's no, there's no interjection or any kind of scenes between him and his mother at all. There's a few. A couple. A couple in the beginning. Yeah. Is well, comic when relief. he first arrived, there was, oh, you know, don't do what you were it's doing. comic relief. But then since that time, that's it. That's probably like, we probably right. just saw like two or three scenes right. of that. Right. right. Then he kind of had him like, you know, sneaking in. I'm going to tell everyone that Adam's here. No, you're not. Okay. And then he weasels away. And then it's kind of like, why is he there? It's just, it's just kind of a weird thing because the thing is that I, that character, it's almost like, oh, I like you as a personal friend because um, you were in the 1795, though you played a weasel on that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep you employed and put you here, but we're not quite sure what we're going to do with you. And they never seem to know what they're doing with him up to this point. Well, he's know. literally that same character except here, but with no explanation. There, at least, there was some kind of explanation and a storyline. 
Well, they, they gave here, him, a, they gave him, a, but they gave him a Willie storyline, didn't they? That basically, true, he, he was supposed to come in as Mr. Johnson's son, and yeah. he's going to be like the Willie kind of character, where basically exactly. he's like he's stealing, like out, you know, he's going to be going through the knicker drawer looking for their purses and stuff. That's yep, kind yep, of the yep, idea yep. that that we were going to do. That's what right. we're going to get from him, but it hasn't really panned out. You're just kind of going, he'll pop up, and you're like. Oh, I forgot about you. Really? <laughs> he ended up being just somebody who's used by the other characters to, to do things. Like, watch Adam do the, and you'll see more of that with the other characters, too. Minion. Kind of <laughs> a, yeah. yeah. Remember also yeah. that they brought Craig Slocum on in yeah. the 1795 segment. Um, as and What was the name of the character again? Daniel? Noah Gifford. What? Noah Gifford. Noah, Noah Gifford, that's right. Thank you. So they brought him on as Noah Gifford, and 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 he had more of a, a rapscallion role there. And then I think they just wanted to give the actor something to maybe Curtis liked him. So they yeah. needed to so they just wanted to give him something to do in the but they really couldn't find anything meaty for him. So they just made Mrs. Johnson's son out of him and he comes on, but he really was, was ended up as a very minor character. He'll be uh, recast for one episode. He's one of those who later on during the Quentin ghost storyline, somebody else will play Harry for one episode. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. They used to recycle a lot of people a whole lot more. You don't see that in soap operas uh, that much yeah. anymore. They don't recycle. Yeah, I mean, they'll those. bring somebody back from the dead a lot. I mean, you know, like... Yeah, Timothy Gordon, for instance, who played Jeremiah, yeah, you know, I mean, they... Stuff. They 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 used the uh, he had a fan club as a matter of fact and you know and he yeah. used to he used to ask the fans to write to the station to get him back on because he loved those gigs uh, as as, well, as, as Gary look at Meyer. the one who came in as Carolyn the biker guy what was his yeah. name oh Buzz, Buzz, Buzz uh, Michael Buzz. Hatch Michael to be Hatch honest, when we did an interview with Buzz that's I listened to that that was interview. impressive that you got him on the show that's thank awesome you. He was a nice yeah, guy. thank you I, thank you. I, I found him, him. Yeah. I found him in the but that is, that is our most listened to episode of Buzz. Well, yeah. was like, really? He's never done an yeah. interview ever. Well, he had never done. Him. That's right. He had yeah. never been. At, he, they forgot about him at the conventions, and every once in a while, didn't invite him to the cons. Uh, no, they didn't. Oh, wow. Well, well maybe he they showed did. up at I one. Think- I think they, the I'm going to take that back. I think they did invite him a couple of times, but he really just wasn't interested. I don't uh, think it was his, his because deal. He, no. Because he just thought that was like, what, five episodes or something like that. And he was more into Broadway. Mm-hmm. They wanted to make a regular character out of Buzz. And they talked to him about that. Mm-hmm. And, but, and, and they had ideas in terms of furthering that relationship. But he was more, he's, you know, he told us, he said he, was, he, he wanted to get into Broadway. And, and he was more, wanted to do more legitimate stuff as he saw it. So, so that was that. But he was amazed that, that this, uh, the, he was amazed at the, at the versatility of the fandom and the longevity of the fandom. He was amazed to get a call from me, uh, you know, regarding that. And, and, um, I'm, I'm, and I'm glad it finally came off 
because uh, he's 85 now. He's active in New York. And I mean, you know, I mean, of course, he would he would tell me, you know, he's stuck in the house with the pandemic. Uh, but, he, you know, writing, you know, trying to write plays and stuff like that. He's, uh, you know, he kept uh, quite an interesting, quite an interesting. But I didn't know that that was the most uh the most listened to of all the interviews, Keith. Uh, Probably because you know, you know, it's, it's, it's rare, isn't it? It's something that and I think that's it. I think that's it. Uh, and 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 that's the and that's the beauty of uh, I, you know, we try we uh, we try to get them on. Not, they they not, they not always want to, uh, but uh, I, that was that was one thing that worked. So now what we're going to do is cut to our favorite character and our least favorite character of this block. And we're going to start with you, Jesse. Who's your favorite character and worst character of this block? I don't know. It's harder for this this block for me. Who is my favorite? I don't even know. Um, I mean, I guess I'll say I really enjoyed, rather than a character, I'll say my favorite dynamic is probably between Willie and Maggie, because I, I can't say that I have a favorite character at all right now. Um, I don't know. I, that was just very, very um, funny and interesting to me um, to watch that play out. And it was so satisfying because you, you waited so long to see Maggie remember what happened to her and how she would respond and you kind of want to see Barnabas deal with that because Barnabas has gotten away with way too much. And just because he's human now doesn't mean, you know, all is well and good because whether or not he was a supernatural being, he still did those things. And I don't think being a vampire solely is what made him do those things. Like he had that element of that in him already. So um, it's like what they say, like you can't hypnotize a person to do something that they're incapable of doing. Like if someone will not murder someone, you can't hypnotize someone to murder a person. So it's already in them to begin with if you know they're able to do that. So I think it's something along those lines. So it, it'll be nice to see what happens <laughs> um, from this point on in the next um, in the next bit. But yeah, I thought that was uh, the best for me and my least favorite. Um, at least favorite, maybe I'll just say Harry or something. I don't know. It's not that I don't have any favorite character with now. It's just I don't know. Everything's all over the place. I guess I'm still trying to digest. Was he even in episode. any of these episodes? He was feeding. Um, Adam. he was in one. Yeah, Carolyn. Um, when it wasn't Nancy Barrett, she told um. Uh, she told him to go watch Adam because she was kind of afraid. Choke him out or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Harry had this dialogue that, you know, you got to pay me, you know, how much, you know, yeah. you know, well, I'll give you a hundred dollars just for one night, you know, that kind of, well, I want a hundred dollars yeah. every night, you know, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So he was, he was just trying to hind swaggle him, but, uh, I have to agree with you, Jesse, when it comes around, but uh, but I think that Harry, but they don't give him anything to do. Uh, they don't. Yeah. No. Sadly. 
And what about yourself, Vix? Favorite and least favorite? Favorite. I'll probably have to go with Nicholas Blair just because he he keeps things interesting. His character is mysterious. And like we were all sitting here wondering, is he devil? Is he an angel? Is he a general? Is he a lesser demon? You know, I mean, he could be just about anything. I mean, but he's got some kind he does he does his evil with such class and finesse you know i mean it's like sure i'm an asshole but i'm very good at it you know he just does it good and i i enjoy his character even though sometimes it's like oh god does somebody figure this out please and i really it's kind of hard to find anybody you didn't think was strong in this other than harry or maybe even his mom because they didn't really have much going on in these episodes. There's, I don't even know if his mother showed up in these. Did she? Mm-hmm. No, no. I don't, she I've, I don't remember the last time I seen. I her. mean, I guess you maybe what, in the last box. I guess I think that, that the, I wish the writers would. Now that Maggie remembers, I just wish that they would call upon some of her inner strength a little more. I don't like how. I've never been, I mean, I get, you have to have the girl falling and hurt her ankle and they need to get picked up. I get, (laughs) I get that. I do. But I mean, I wish the writers would give, you know, I mean, Maggie and and Victoria, they're, they're such punching bags sometimes. And you just like to see them just get back in somebody's face. I mean, she kind of did with Willie who also did a very good job in this block. You know, because Willie does really good nervous breakdowns. He just does. <laughs> I mean, he does, he's my favorite at that, the nervous breakdown. But um, I just wish they'd make the women look a little more stronger in this. Angelique, she's strong in this, but she's, oh yeah, yeah, but she's, she's my very, character. very. But she, but she's so good. About, I mean, she's just slithers about it. You know, you mm-hmm. kind of, you almost kind of can overlook her because she's so sneaky. Yeah. You know, in these episodes, I, I really enjoyed her performance as well through all these. It, this is a hard one. It's really hard to say I didn't like anybody, but I tried. What about yourself, Tom? Favorite and least favorite? Um, favorite, in my opinion, would be Robert Rodan. I, I, I thought that he... He did a great job, too. Yeah, yeah I, I thought that he he just... It, it, this is now six months, and they talk about it, but he was like a little... He was like the little baby, the little infant, and now he's and now he's talking like he could command... Uh, he could be chair of a department at Harvard. Uh, I, 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 I just really think that he's, he's expressive, he's uh, poignant, he's, uh, he's, he, he, he has his temper, and of course that manifests itself, but he also balances it with his scenes with Carolyn, with sweetness and tenderness, and just somebody who wants to be loved, yeah. a full range of acting on, uh, on on Robert Rodin's part, and if I, if I had seen this when we interviewed him, Vicky, I think I would have told him uh, I uh, really, really give him a lot of credit for what he did, what he's done with the role up to that point and the maturation he of the studied role. studied so much to, to, to take on that role. He really yeah, did. Yeah. Shame they didn't keep him on longer than they did. I, I think, or use him for another character. I yeah. think that he would have been, I think that he would have been uh, really, really good. Um, the, the the Harry Johnson, in my opinion, is the worst. Uh, you know, <laughs> poor I mean, Harry. I, it's not his fault, but everybody no, hates him, dude. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> just, I hate to tell you. I mean, you, you know, you don't want you know the the Diana Walker. Uh, Keith is right. Diana Walker was on for one day. 
you can't go ahead and say that they didn't get, you know. I enjoyed I mean, her performance, actually. I, she, was, she, she was pretty interesting, you know. And, you know, and the, and the blonde and the blonde wig, I mean, you know, she could have, she was like a little, a little more zoptic than Nancy Barrett, you know, but she, but I could, but I could have seen that. And I, I think she was, and I think she did a really good job considering I what she so. was given. But, uh, but, but once again, Harry, but Craig Slocum, uh, as Harry Johnson falls, falls way falls way short way short in my opinion. So yeah. Harry is the redheaded stepchild that you're all picking on. Well, yeah. yourself, Daniel. <laughs> I will not pick black. Harry. Just to cut him out, cut him some slack. I um for it's it's really like everyone else said. It's really difficult to pick a favorite in this block because it is hard. Yeah, everybody was so good on. They have strong performances, and it's really tough to, to pick a favorite. Um, but I'm going to probably – I think I'll go with with uh, what Jesse said, like with, with the Willie and Maggie dynamic going on in the mausoleum, especially I think John Carlin. It's pretty strong. Really strong there, yeah. And um, I agree with you, Vicky. Like it would have been nice to have Maggie have a little more like, – A little more umph. A little more fight in her there, but I did like the confrontation when she yes. finally said, "How you helped him? How? What? Why? How could you do this? I hate you!" You know, like it was really intense, and I thought that was a good kind of interaction between the two of them. So I'm gonna yeah. maybe a tie between Willie and Maggie yeah, there. Poor Willie, he only got bit in the wrist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, Angelique um, should have gone after him, and then Vicky we're not going to have any of that in the sixties. Yeah. She was great too. Now it's now it's a big yeah. deal. Everybody's a gay vampire. Everybody yeah. loves it. It's, it's um, fashionable. They dropped that actually, like that, that whole restriction with biting the biting the men biting other men on the neck. Like you'll see, like yeah, you know, guy vampires will bite uh, other guys down the road in the in the yeah. Series, they loosened up a little. <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, I think when the show became like a big hit, they were like, "Okay, do do what you want." Kind of loosen up. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> um, so I would, I would say them, and then yeah, Angelique was great too. She was I mean, fantastic. She always was. So, I, I, I think that was one of Lara Parker's yeah. best roles. Lara Parker. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then for Lisa, I hate to pick pick a least favorite. I was like, I was dreading. I was like, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to pick a least favorite, but. I was going to pick uh, Diana Walker because I was like, well, she's only in one episode. I can pick her, but I guess that isn't fair, like you said. Uh, yeah. It's only- <laughs> hard to pick one in this episode. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go with, I'm going to cut cut Harry some slack uh, here. I'm going to go with Jeff Clark. Uh, because- yes. I agree. <laughs> he was irritating yeah. a little bit. He was kind of irritating. It's like, she, he didn't even act like a typical vampire victim. Like usually when you're in the vampire's thrall. Like, no, he was weirdly resistant to it. I resisting. noticed that too. Well, yeah. they told him to be. Like, you don't get to resistant. resist. Tough. You're a, you're a, you got bitten by a vampire. You do what she says. Like, you know, and he was like, no, I'm not. And she had to bite him again. She had to bite him twice in a, in a row when he kept Oh, he was back. a tough sell. I'm like, that's sell. not how it works. That's <laughs> Yeah, i to cut through that ego. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe he figured if he kept protesting, he'd get some more, and he did. Yeah, he seemed to enjoy those bites a little more. <laughs> it's like he don't really blame him. I don't um, blame him. I would have. <laughs> but, um, it's like, what's wrong with him? Uh, yeah, I liked him as Peter Bradford, but then it was like Jeff Clark's a little, yeah, big headed, a little too too much sometimes. Kind of like, mean. He's kind of yeah. Boring. 
Yeah, or sixties like got the, to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I'd say I'd pick Jeff. My favorite character has the double the double duel of um, Maggie and Willie. I think um, though, you know, as you say, Maggie was a little bit weak. But the thing is, I think for me, the reason why that works is because to me, she's waking up from a dream and the dream is becoming this reality that she's realizing that that, that basically you just realize that a yeah. certain portion of your life, three or six months of your life has now just reappeared and it was gone. And that realization. So I think that that was acted very well. So therefore yeah. that there would be that level of confusion that you would have. And there would also be that level of weakness because you think of you're not quite sure what you're remembering. Is this reality? Or am I remembering? Is this a false memory? Is this a real memory? And I think that was that really done. And with Maggie, and then and then the love of Willie for Maggie, because obviously there's there's a he has an infatuation with her, and realizing that with her realization that there's no way that Maggie will ever be his. And I love and I thought that was played very very beautifully. And another reason why they, these two became the strongest because I think. In this block, these are the two, this storyline is probably the one that we stayed the closest with for like three or four episodes. I didn't actually, wasn't meandering from one storyline to another. So we got the very tight grip. And I thought, I thought the way that it played out worked very, very well for me. My least favorite character is Jeff Clark. I think he's a chauvinistic, egotistical, lying bigot. I mean, there's something really horrible about him. He's not supportive. And what we've seen up to this point is not very becoming. And it's kind of hard for, you think they wrote? Did you do you think they wrote him in that way to, for the general dislike of him? Or I, is it, I wait, don't. I don't know. I think, I think what they wanted to do is I think that you know there there's a hole left by Burke Devlin, that strong character Burke yeah. Devlin. Before, yeah. and so I think that they're trying to heart to that. But to be honest, you know, as we said when we when we hit those episodes between Burke ruling over Victoria, like Victoria's like his, he owns her. It's a pro it's problematic. And I mean, another thing is it might not have been problematic at the time, but looking through this through a millennial eyesight now, it is kind of problematic at the time that basically we got this strong independent woman who's basically been on her own because I mean, she doesn't have any parents or anything like this. And she's she has been on her school. own. She has. I think and, she, she, and she hasn't gone. Th- I mean, the thing is, and she's gone through everything on her own, even the stuff that she pulls herself out of. I mean, she never has really any support from the Collins family or anything. Let's face it. She's, you know, they might go, Oh, you know, you'll, we'll, we'll give you a tranquilizer. Or we'll give you a bowl of soup. And they're really, <laughs> they're they're really into the passing out the drugs <laughs> in that family, aren't they? Well, that's Elizabeth. <laughs> oh, yeah. That is Collinswood. But, <laughs> but the thing is, you know, so so and then to have like this kind of man coming through and said, you're, you're going to do this, you're not going to do this, and I'm owned by you. For me, it's it just it's very uncomfortable to see that. And, it, and I don't know what the writers were thinking, because, you know, if Peter Bradford is Jeff Clark, Peter Bradford was never like that. So what is this character? And yeah. I mean, if they're, if they're literally not, Anthony George. They are nodding that basically when Trash showed up, you know, Jeff Clark runs through Trask and all of a sudden he gets the Peter Bradford vibe and he kind of has to go off and find himself and he comes back. And it seems it's almost like when he went to find himself, he came and found himself at being an asshole. And that's what I find with Jeff Clark. <laughs> yeah. at the moment. That's true. Also remember Jeff Clark Peter Bradford knew who he was. Jeff Clark did not know who he was. Right. And has been dealing with that. I'm sorry. Well, (laughs) like, you know, I'm just sitting there saying that he was fine when he was Jeff Clark, when he was finding himself and everything like that. Right. It seemed like 
once he drove himself through Trask and he went away and came back, he came back a different person. And oh, there's no that. doubt. But but remember, you know, so he doesn't have the full memory of the Peter Bradford thing. Yeah. He he's, he's, he finds himself on some kind of dock or something, and Lang takes him in, and Lang tells, tells him he's a murderer, and then he works for him. So he's really... So the Jeff Clark character... Taking up graves and getting body parts. Exactly. Yeah, but, the, the Fritz but, thing. The Fritz but he, became, thing. He, he went from someone who was being bullied to being a bully. That's He's the, a lost that's, soul. Uh, yes, that's yeah. The, the thing is that, yeah, Jeff Clark is a lost soul. And that, that's the thing that Peter Bradford was not. Peter Bradford was studying to be a lawyer. Uh, he was uh, interning in the jail when, you know, when he met Vicky. Uh, a nice guy. Peter Bradford. You know, but, you know at the Bradford end of the day, if you, if you lost your memory, you don't know who you are and you're trying to find yourself, you might want to help. The writers might want to sit there and make it so you have a little bit of empathy for him. And it's really hard to feel because at the moment, it's he, hard to because if, 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 if he yeah. finds himself, I don't care. If he gets he hit by a bully. tomorrow, I don't Sam. care. Sam. <laughs> he is a bully. I think that's yeah. why. That's why you can't identify with Clark as much as you could with Bradford. Because Bradford knew where he was going. Jeff Clark doesn't know where he's going and he's lost and he's stuck, especially stuck now that he has to, that he has to assist Julia where, where he, where he had to turn down something that he was, he was a horrible person before he helped start helping Julia. Yeah. He was a horrible was. person. Okay. Oh, I have a horrible. I mean, no, th- think about, think of the last block. It wasn't the apple of your eye. Um, when, when, when Victoria goes missing, comes back from being kidnapped, and then he goes off on her about seeing Barnabas. Like, oh, I'm, yes. You're I, never going to go I, see I, her. Yeah, da, 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 right. You do no, as I right. say. And all that no, you're right. That came no, no, there's and a that, and that, immaturity. And, then, that, and that's what I'm saying. That's, that's when he became that person. It wasn't because of the bite from Angelique. He was, had, he was already turned into that person. Right. Well, no, me. no. There's definite immaturity to Clark. Definite yeah. immaturity. And I'm just saying that. You think that for someone who doesn't know who they are, that they're, they would have a little bit more caring and finding out that basically you know he's a foundling like victoria's being a foundling and why would you know why would you impose well there i don't think he has insight he doesn't have insight so yeah these two foundlings finding each other and you just think that he would be a bit more understanding about certain things and it's basically and i it's you know to be honest it's not there it's not the actor it's just the way the character has been no it's the way the character is there's a streak of narcissism in it yeah. And, and yeah. I think that's what oh, yeah. I think that's what it is. Yeah. So I now we'll see. I think we're going to see him come around once once we move past what's yes, happening. Yes, that's right another now. thing. I think it's going to get, as I recall, it gets a little. He gets a little. Yeah, better. I mean, it does. Yeah, he does. does. He does become a better character. But it does. Thing, but at this moment, I just find him like you're horrible. No, no one's going to ever love you because you're a horrible person. That's not. <laughs> So now we're at the point where we're going to discuss our overall view in a very short quiz for each of us because time is running out and I got to edit this. So what we get to do is talk <laughs> about the lunch view of this block. So starting with you, Danny, what's your overall view of this block in general? Oh, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's uh, like I said that the, the Willie Maggie thing was one of my favorite subplots of this storyline. Um, it's really fun. The ramp up to, to the Eve creation is fun to see. Uh, it's interesting to see Adam uh, assert himself, although he can be a bit 
he's turning into a bully too because of you know nicholas's manipulations but he's also tells the truth you know when he's in the old house and they're lying to him he says this is a house of that's full of lies you know and he's right barnabas and julia lie to him constantly so it's an interesting uh it's an interesting tapestry of characters and how they're they're juggling all of these storylines at the same time especially if you like compare it to the pre-barnabas storylines where it was very slowly moving along which i enjoyed those too but they were definitely a slow burn compared to now where it's like there's so much happening they're having a difficult time kind of almost keeping up with it but it's fun to watch this kind of monster mash unfold so i enjoyed it what about yourself tom i thought uh i've seen better blocks but this is certainly uh it just certainly hangs in there uh, it continues uh, some various plots going on. This block is is most notable, as of course we've been talking about, uh, for Ma- for Maggie's memory now coming back and her realizing uh, how she's been victimized uh, by Barnabas. Uh, mm-hmm. But and beyond and beyond that, Angelique continues to uh, ruin Joe's life. Uh, causes the breakup of Joe and Maggie, uh, and then starts in on Jeff a little bit uh, for a change of pace. Uh, you know, she's you know even even Nicholas says to her, "We'll get you somebody else if you get bored with Joe." Uh, so uh, and and uh, and of course now the the breakup of the engagement with uh, Vicky and Jeff. And that's kind of sad to see yeah. Uh, considering, yeah. yeah, considering, you know, the fact that they really do still love each other. They do but, care about each other. Yeah, uh, it is sad. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and the fact that, and of course I'm an HR person in the, re- uh, you know, coming from my HR background in the real world, unless he hated the job, why the hell did he turn it? You know, and that's a damn shame that he, you know, I mean, he was given a gift horse in the mouth by Roger, uh, who is not usually that generous, uh, but uh, he really wanted things to work out for their marriage. And uh, now, whether whether Jeff had liked being a salesman, who knows? I mean, you know, I don't even know why everybody's trying to keep uh, secrets. Well, he comes everybody. Everybody. I tell you, I tell you what, Roger, I'm not quite sure. Can I have a few days to think about it? Yeah, uh, he doesn't do that. So <laughs> he's, <laughs> a jerk. he's a jerk. What? He's a jerk. Who, Roger? <laughs> No. no. Oh, Jeff. Oh, Jeff. Yeah, I agree. Oh, I agree. Wait till you meet Ned Stewart. <laughs> very Ned Stewart's even worse than Jeff. Oh, that's that's later. Uh, we'll yeah. get to Ned Stewart later. But but, <laughs> but 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 no, to turn down a job like that, and and that really was, and it was a big cause of it. You know, I mean, oh my God, you know, if he had had the strength. Uh, he, he could have just say, "Well, well, chuck this and sneak out with, you know, sneak up to Boston and the hell with the hell with them." I mean, what the hell did he? What the hell did he owe uh, Barnabas and the rest of them? Uh, he's not. It's not like he's getting paid for it. Uh, this was a this was a real world opportunity, but in dark shadows, uh, the you know the, the helping helping build the Frankenstein monster is is comes ahead of uh, making a life for yourself. Uh, and, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just, uh, uh, but I, but, I, but I think that, uh, be, uh, beyond that and the thing with, uh, uh, the, the Liz, 
the Liz, uh, you know, the the Liz uh, being buried alive. That's kind of like a little secondary filler. They're gonna they're gonna come up with. They did, they did that whenever Joan Bennett had to take vacation, right. and so it was very very easy for you know for her well, to she's be. She's only dead. gonna get buried alive if she wants to go to Cancun. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That dream sequence they did was cool though, where where it oh, was yeah. creepy, really creepy. Where her funeral, where she oh, yeah. like with the, with the organ music and stuff, that was pretty. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. No, no, and with the, the dry ice was yeah, running, yeah. was all over the place. Uh, but 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 I think that so I think that we're going to see much better. We've seen better blocks. The 1795 blocks were superb. Uh, and uh, we've seen a couple of good blocks now. I don't think this is as good as what we're going to see later. And yeah. uh, what we are going to see later, uh, especially as Angelique continues her, uh, her, her nightly, uh, her nocturnal meanderings uh, through, uh, you know, biting whoever and whatever, uh, that's going to get, that's going to get, that's going to, that's going to turn into a lot of fun. Uh, especially when she when she decides to go after somebody near and dear to everybody, and I'm not going to say who that is, but you can kind of guess. And, uh, and and so I think that, uh, this is this is one of the way stations I think in Dark Shadows, and we're going to take off pretty soon after that. That's me. What about yourself, Jess? Overall view. My overall view. I mean, I think this block was also very very good. Um, my favorite storylines, the main ones are probably the ones involving Adam and then Willie and Maggie. Um, the, the subplots were a little mm, bland. wasn't as invested, but I'm still, I, I, part of me is actually kind of intrigued with the idea of Elizabeth's curse. I just wish they I wish they just better. slammed the lid on her already and get her done. <laughs> just like, like the concept, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I find it more hilarious than anything. I, like when I started this block, I did start from the episode where, um, with Elizabeth, um, after Julia is recovering because that's where we left off, and I did start back from that episode and I saw that whole thing again. It was so funny to watch. Joan Bennett said, "They left you here to die." You know, like all this other stuff. Just the way that she said it was so funny. She was so convinced Julia was dead before she even looked at her. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. After that, you think she's normal. Then Carolyn is with her, and you you see her unravel. But I don't know. I, the idea of it's more interesting than the way that they're playing it out, I guess. Because I, I think it's an interesting idea if you know how to write it. I just don't think they did the best job with that. And I hate to say that, but. Um, There's a little slacking going on. A little bit. Um, and I think the reason is, is maybe she did be the vacation. Um, <laughs> maybe, I think that's the only reason that they're, they're doing it. Cause she's not, she's not very active on the show right now. Um, unless it comes to her scenes. That's the only time you see her is when she's playing out her scenes. And they're kind of few and far in between right now. I feel like not as uh regular as she used to be which is kind of sad because i do miss joan bennett on the show it's it's yeah. hard like watching these is hard because i think there are very few characters you get actors rather um like angelique Claire parker like additional characters you get on the show that fit perfectly in and then 
the rest of the characters kind of struggle to fit in. And then not only that, but you don't, you might not like these characters, but not only that, you're also seeing characters you like not be as prevalent on the show anymore. And some of them might even be leaving soon. And that's kind of sad too, because you grow up with these characters in so many different seasons and so many different storylines. And um, yeah, so I always struggle during this part of the, the show because I know what's coming. Um, and it is kind of sad because I'm going to miss a lot of the regular characters that that might be leaving soon. Well, what so, about yourself, Vix? Well, I kind of agree with what everybody said, but um, <clears throat> I think it's just it's it's a, it is what it is. It's a soap opera, you know. It's a supernatural soap opera. It was the '60s, you know. It's just the way things were. I think when people say they, I think when I say, you know, I don't I don't get the writing or what's going on. We have to put ourselves, you know, in this is like several decades ago when this was being uh-huh. performed and written and done, and it wasn't done in front of you know, it wasn't done like they do it now they have several takes to get what they're seeing done these days and this was not that way and so they they can only do the best of what they're given and you know with with writing and with the circumstances of their performance that day and I think with most time most part it's really good but you know sometimes they slip a little bit and they but it's human nature but I thought it was pretty well balanced I think it's setting us up for what's to come in the next block so I mean it did do that I mean I wasn't nearly vested in it like I I was before with some of the others like the Phoenix storyline you can't top that so far as you know but this is good this is getting good so I mean I'm looking forward to because I don't remember a lot of these episodes like I was a young kid so it's like seeing something for the first time so it's kind of cool um, for me, this is seems to be kind of a smoke and mirrors kind of situation. Basically, is you know we, we're getting a lot of teasing going on, and they're kind of teasing us through. We're, they're teasing us up to the um, Eve storyline. We're being teased about the Nicholas and Maggie, and we're not getting. But what I quite like about this is that basically they're building a solid foundation for a storyline that's going to start to take off. And of course, with any kind of storyline or whatever, whatever you're watching, no matter what your series, even if it's your favorite TV show, no matter what it is, you kind of have to build these strong bases in order to get ebb and flow, ebb and flow. Um, the only the only regret I do have is what you both um, that you've all touched on is unfortunately with the supernatural, unfortunately comes at a price, and the price seems to be Louis Edmonds and Joan Bennett, where they don't really know what yeah. to do with these people at the moment. Which is sad because they are brilliant. Mm-hmm. In there, but their you know, but know. at the same time, you know, you have a, you mean, you you started out with a cast of like eight, and now you pretty much double that sort of thing. So there's that, you know, that sort of thing. But saying that, um, luckily with the the Elizabeth storyline, I do think that with her coming back, they had to bring her back, and they kind of had to have that. They had they could do one of two ways. They could have right. her come back and she'd be 100% cured. But then, then there's going to have to be some way of catching her up into what's been going on because she's been gone for quite a while. It seems like a lot's been going on since she disappeared. So I 
guess with this way they can do in that way when she does come to fruition they don't have a great one or two episodes discussing about bringing her back up to speed about what's been going on with the family i suppose um but beyond that i do i do think they're doing quite well i, I mean my interest will peak through the whole thing and i have to sit there and say that they look like they're build, building a strong strong base and i do like the teasing of the e storyline when she coming when she coming is it this week and i have to sit there and say i guess maybe because i have the marshall wallace interview that we got that coming out i'm always like do i bring it out this month no 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 this is not yet <laughs> okay, another month. no no <laughs> so so I have that bit of a tease with that as well. But mm-hmm. I think overall, it's quite strong. We have some really good, strong actors and some good building. And it's interesting to see how the writers are able to maneuver and shake and measure everything out to make sure that everyone's kind of getting their equal storylines, which is, I good think point. is quite a feat in itself when you got something with so many moving parts. Well, that brings us to the end of the Literary License Podcast. Next week, we will be discussing Alice in Wonderland, which is part of our drug month. So there must have been <laughs> the water, which is July 2020-21. So be Alice in Wonderland, there must be something in the water. Our double feature will be Stung from 2015 and Ticks from 1993. And of course, we'll be covering Bewitched, which is a trip within itself. And of course, Dark Shadows, where there's definitely something in the water in Collinsport. Yeah. <laughs> so and what we'll want to say is thank you, Daniel. And Daniel, would you like to share with our listeners where they can find your podcast? Yes. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show. I had a great time uh, chatting with you guys and talking about these episodes. So I've enjoyed listening to your show many times. So it's been really fun being on the show with you. So thank you for inviting me on. And my, um, you can find out more about my podcast at terror at Collinwood, one word, uh, dot com. And um, I have five five episodes up right now so uh, i just started it only about a month and a half ago but i've been having a lot of fun doing that so please check that out and also my horror host tv show which ran in new england for 10 years uh was called shilling shockers and the website's still up we have dvds and a fan club and all kinds of wacky stuff so that's shillingshockers.com you can find out all about that there and so now it's good night for myself and good night vicky good night everybody good night tom Good night, everybody. Good night, Keith. Good night, Ricky and Danielle. It was so great having you on. I'm so happy that you came on. And Jesse, and everybody stay safe. And good night, Jesse. Have a good night, folks. <laughs> and good night, Daniel. And all your um, all all Daniel's information will be in our show notes and will of course be included in our monthly news. So make sure you sign up to our monthly newsletter at www.llpodcast.com and you can win yourself a literary license podcast hoodie starring Angelique, Reverend Trask, Andorra, and Aunt Clara, all on the lovely view of a hoodie, dog hoodie, or a t-shirt. And thank you again, Daniel, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Good night, everyone. I can feel your heartbeat, and you didn't even say a word. I can feel your heartbeat, and you didn't even say a word. Oh, I know pretty woman that you love to be heard You can feel my heartbeat too I can tell you're feeling me You can feel my heartbeat too I can tell you're feeling me Oh, I know pretty woman that you love to be heard Oh, I'll the night
Pero menos mal 